You want some more of this bitch? Welcome to the Three Kings Podcast, where everyday blokes act like kings. I'm just a regular, everyday, normal motherfucker. I told you in the first song, I'll tell you in another. I'm just a regular, how are you? We're back and today we've got a super special guest. We've got the gunslinger, John Wayne Parr. How are you? Gentlemen, thank you so much for having me. No, thanks Ace for coming in and taking the time. Appreciate it. Hey, nice. Um, so yeah, we'll start off with, um, yeah, obviously how'd you get into the Muay Thai kickboxing game? Uh, as a young child, just had a, a fascination with martial arts. Just wanted to, to, to just be something. I wanted to be a, a fighter. Because uh, at the time, rock and wrestling was huge. Yeah. Hulk Hogan was massive. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, Mike, uh, Mike Tyson was sort of coming up at that stage. Uh, Bruce Lee, Van Damme, all those sort of things. And yeah. just inspired me to want to be a martial artist in some form. And then I lived in the country, so always in farms and only child. So I'd shadow box in the grass, pretending <laughs> I was not, not what I was doing. And then it wasn't until I was 11 that we moved to Brisbane. And then uh, I started Taekwondo. I thought, oh, this is amazing. I got, got to wear the uh, Taekwondo gi yeah. and uh, <laughs> doing carters. And I thought, oh, I just want to go to Korea and do the, uh, the, the carters with everyone in the lines like you see on the TV. Yeah. So I did that for about a year and a half. Uh, got to compete in a couple of Taekwondo tournaments. And then, unfortunately, uh, they couldn't make their rent anymore. So they moved out. And then about six months later, uh, kickboxing moved into the same hall. I thought, oh, it's not Taekwondo, but I'll, I'll give it a try. And I'll just do this until I find a Taekwondo school. And then from the very first uh, kickboxing class, I thought, oh, You're hooked. I, I'm, I'm done. No, this is this is me from now on. Yeah. Uh, see you later, uh, Korea. Hello, <laughs> Thailand. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's so good. And um, so what what do you think made you so good for a you know in the early days there wasn't a lot of say Westerners in the Muay Thai world. What made you so good for a non-Thai fighter? Uh, just passion. Um, uh, I, I was I was only. 12, 13 at the time, sparring adults. Yeah. And then I'd hold my own, um, even though they were twice my size and twice my weight. I, I was a little mighty mouse. I'd run around and, and hit him with combos and ran around the outside and jump back in again and hit him again. And just had that, that little confidence in me knowing that uh, I could do really well. Yeah. And then um, I remember coming home from one night sparring and I, I think I was 13. And I, I told my mum, I think I'm going to be a world champion one day. And she started laughing. Oh. <laughs> That, that's cute, son. Like, yeah. I'm going to show you. And then uh, I remember uh, 10 years later, I finally won my first world title. I said, see, mum. And she goes, I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> I've had, I held on to the anger for all those years and she had no idea at the time. <laughs> so you pretty much started when you were 13. Uh, 11. 11. Yeah, so 11, 11 for Taekwondo. And then 13 was the kickboxing. kickboxing. Yep. So what age was your first professional fight? Uh, 14. Oh, not, but not so much. Uh, my first uh, ring fight was 13. Yep. Uh, first, sorry, 14. 14. Um, I was in year 10. And then uh, we moved to Sydney. And then, um, so, yeah, I was 14 years old. And then I, uh, I never seen my opponent. So I uh, got to the weigh-in. Um, he wasn't around. And then they've, they've called me into the ring first. So I got in, and then uh, the first time I seen him was when he was jumping on the ropes. I look across, and then uh, as a fourteen, he had one of those fourteen-year-old mustaches. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm thinking, oh no, he's got a mustache. <laughs> this guy's gonna be a killer. <laughs> and then it's probably like three strands or something. Yeah. But for a fourteen-year-old, it's terrifying. It's like, oh my god, he's got facial hair. <laughs> and then uh, I, and it was a really good fight, but he just beat me on points. And um, I remember as I was leaving the ring. 
um, someone in the crowd, oh, way to go, Wayne. And then I got like a, a round of applause. And it was that, that moment. I was like, oh, I'm, I'm getting appreciated. I'm getting, I'm getting, this is amazing. This is so cool. Um, and I got home and I had a little black eye and a little bit of a blood nose at the time. And I told him, oh, mum, I'm, I'm, I'm in love with this sport. This is what I do. Oh, you, you've had your fight now. You had your, you got to play your kickboxing. Yeah. Um, that, that should be enough, don't you think? I said, no, no, this is actually uh, fueled the fire. This makes me want to, all I want to do now. So, um, and then at that stage, I was at the crossroads. Oh, I wanted to be a chef. I wanted to be a, an apprentice. And then um, luckily um, that all fell through. And then uh, kickboxing was the only plan that I wanted to be from that, from that age. So, um, yeah, get the fulfill of my, my, my dream. It was very cool. Yeah, well, it's super rare for someone to have a dream so young and then pretty much get it straight away yeah, and get yep. to do it. So is that the pretty much only job you've ever had is fighting, uh, is it? Uh, when I moved out of home at 19, uh, 18, sorry, um, I was a bartender for a year. Yeah. Uh, down on the Gold Coast is a place called Cocktails and Dreams. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and then and downstairs, and that used to be a place called The Party. Yeah. So I was, a, I was I started off as a glassy, picking up the, this is the old days when you could still smoke in the, so yeah. I'd have to clean the ashtrays, yeah. pick up the glasses, and uh, once every hour I have to go up and, and mop the, the male toilets and, <laughs> um, yeah, just thinking. Oh, I, I gotta. Hopefully, I can't do this. This is yeah. This is gross. Um, people are spitting on the buttons and weeing on the floor, and I'm thinking there's got to be a better life than this. This yeah. is terrible. So, um, so even though I'd be up all night, I, I'd force myself to wake up, ride my push bike to training, train twice a day. Um, still having the dream. But one day, I'm only doing this nightclub business to make money to uh, pay for my kickboxing fees, so I can yeah. st- still progress. And then I'm uh, very lucky that a year later that I had a really tough fight in um, Sunshine Coast. I got dropped in the second round with leg kicks. And I, I managed to hold on and come back and uh, knock my opponent out with uh, about 30 seconds ago on the clock. Yeah, right. And then uh, my, my tie sponsor was so impressed with my performance. He goes, I really believe you have a, um, a, a big heart and, and I think you got the potential to go all the way. How would you like to go to Thailand? I said, oh, I'd love to go to Thailand. He said, I'll... Uh, if you can organise your passport, I'll do the rest. I'll organise your plane ticket. I'll give you some um, a place to train. I'll give you put money in your account. But you, the only thing you have to do is promise me that you can stay six months. Yeah. Um, if you stay for two weeks or a month, you'll you'll do the training. Then it'll all be for nothing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But if you go for six months, by that stage everything will stick, and then you'll you'll be more accustomed to the sport. And um, so I went over for six months, and then had five fights, five wins. Um, come back to Australia again, thinking, oh, that was amazing. What an opportunity. Yeah. And then uh, very luckily, the, the, the Thai camp rang up my sponsor. I said, oh, can you please send him back? We think he has big potential in the sport. Um, so my, my sponsor called me back and said, hey, you want to get back to Thailand? I'd love to get back to Thailand. All right, so this, the first time was six months, but this time you have to promise me one year. Yeah. You can't come back for one year. If you, if you come back within that time, um, don't bother seeing me. But if you can stay one year, you'll make me so proud. Oh, yeah, I'll say, yeah, no worries. And then, um, yeah, jumped back on the plane, went back to the camp. And then, yeah, ended up uh, winning the, the strongest Westerner in Thailand for 1997 that year. Yeah, right. I uh, got to fight in all the big stadiums and fighting on TV and making the, the magazines and the front covers. And it was so amazing. It was so cool. And th- at that time, there wasn't many Westerners That's too. what I was going to say. So what was it like yeah, at that time? Because there wouldn't have been many of it, us. It, it was a lot easier to shine because there wasn't that much, that many Westerners out there at the time. Yeah. And how did you go with that? With there not being many Westerners, how did you adapt to, say, like the culture and the language and stuff? Yeah, the Just language. being the only one. Yeah, that was a bit tough. Because where, where I live, 
um, in Bangkok, there was, um, imagine being the only white guy in all of Brisbane. Yeah. So I was that one guy. So you'd walk the streets and like kids would grab their mum by the shirt and tug them and say, oh, look, a weirdo. Because <laughs> 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 yeah, they'd never seen a Westerner before. Yeah. It was so, it was, it was, but then um, you sort of miss it. You miss being this, that special guy. Yeah. Walking and then when you come back to Australia again, you blend in with everyone else. Yeah, oh, just this, a this is bizarre. This is so weird. I felt more weird here than I did over there. Yeah. Um. So uh, the living conditions. So yeah, this is the fun part. So uh, because Thailand's a third world country, they don't have sit down toilets. Yeah. They got the squat toilets. So when I first got to the camp, the the trainers take him around. So this is where you're gonna sleep. This is your bathroom. I'm looking at the bathroom, and it's a squat toilet. And beside the toilet was uh, like a basin with a uh, plastic container floating on top. And he demonstrated, yeah, you got to pour the water into your hand to wipe your butt. Yeah. I was like, what? <laughs> really? Oh, no. And then when you shower, you stand on the outside on the concrete and you, and you wet yourself first, you lather up, and then you wet yourself off again. And uh, all cold water is no hot water. Yeah. And then I went upstairs to the bedroom and then uh, it was 10 fighters sleeping side by side on a wooden floor. So, um, yeah, so it's like, oh, yeah, all right, I got it. And then when you had, there was no furniture either, so when it was time to uh, eat our meals, we'd have to sit cross-legged on the wooden floor. So there'd be four or five dishes in the centre. Everyone gets a plate of rice, and then you have to go one teaspoon, a tablespoon at a time. You couldn't just hog in, and yeah, yeah, yeah. otherwise, um, so yeah, so like a community uh, meal. So you all you all share, all double dip with your spoons, and <laughs> put your your double dip in the soups, and yeah, it was a bit gross, but uh, <laughs> at the same time, it's just how it is. Yeah. Um, and, and, and the training was crazy. The training was three hours in the morning and three and a half, three and a half hours in, in the evening. And every day you're expected to train harder than yesterday. Yeah. So, and then you just get yelled. And I didn't know, I couldn't speak Thai, but I knew I was getting abused from just the, the tone <laughs> of the voice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, oh, whatever you're saying, that doesn't sound good. Um, but it, it, it pushes you to want to be great too. And then living in such uh, poverty, that all you want to, all you can think about is, oh, I've got to be successful. I yeah. don't, don't want to be this guy. I want to own a car. I want to have a bed. Yeah. I want hot water. Uh, I want a table and chair to eat at. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah it just really makes you not want to be poor anymore. Yeah, and how was your work ethic compared to say the ties? Because as you said, they got nothing else to kind of live for. Yeah, they, well, they've been starting since they're about six or seven, so they're already um, in their peak. Yeah. Um, we had some boys that were like in between, say, 10 and 14, and then we had the older teenagers, and then we had the guys in their 20s. And then the guy, the superstar of our camp, he was in his early 30s, um, and he was fighting um, Raymond Deckers and Danny Bills and representing Thailand. He was he was the guy that when any time a Westerner showed potential, they, they'd put him at, they they'd put put him. against him, and, and he'd, he'd regenerate the, the pride of the country. Yeah. So he was their go-to guy. Yeah, they feed the wolf. <laughs> He's the wolf. And then uh, so so he was the killer. And then um, because he was my training partner, I, I'd have to spar against him. Um, uh, I remember the first time we we did boxing sparring together. So we wear eighteen ounce gloves, which are like yeah, big, the massive ones, big big pillows. Yeah. And then um, the first round started, and, and we're going away, and I'm going about fifty percent. And about sixty seconds into the spar, he just drops his hands, looks at me, and he said, "If you're not going to spar me, hundred percent, get out." Yeah, right. I said, oh, okay. And then, yeah, from that <laughs> moment forward, for the next four years, um, and twice a week was just um, surviving. Yeah. Not not sparring, just trying to <laughs> trying to live. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it made me shine too because I didn't want to get um, beat up or, or um, embarrassed. Yeah. Um, and then seeing him 
be successful. I wanted to emulate him as well because it's like I can see where I can be. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. I just wanted to be like him so much. When you first went over there for the the, the first six months, didn't was there any a point where you're like, no, nah, I don't want to do this anymore. I'm over it. I want to come home. Like I miss my family. I miss what uh, I had over in Australia. Or so so growing up as a kid, um, my parents were horse trainers. And so we got to move a, a lot when I was growing up and I ended up going to 11 different schools and all up and down the East Coast. And um, I've always been like a, an only child. So so I think that's what helped um, condition me to, to be by myself yep. and to, to be in another country. I, yeah. I, I didn't get homesick because technically I never really had a home. Yeah. Um, I was always so, so moving and always a new guy and always um, entertain myself anyway. Um, so, so I think I was very lucky in that respect that it's like, oh, well, and I, I, I would, like I was saying before, I, I had that dream of being a, a champion from a kid. So when they had the opportunity to, to, to be anywhere, if this is going to make me great, this is what I'm prepared to do. Yeah, and you could obviously see it yeah. at a young age, so that was your motivation. Oh, for sure. And then I had dreams of fighting at all these stadiums, and now I'm, I'm going to the stadiums to watch the, 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 the star of the camp fight. And then, um, and then the, the promoter seeing me with him and then all of a sudden him showing interest in me oh you got this young guy with you i'll try and get him on those shows next minute i'm starting to fight for the number one promoter in thailand and yeah it just kept snowballing and just kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger so how long did it take you to yeah as you said kind of get your name and get the respect of the times how long um, did that so, take so that first six months i had the five fights in in little stadiums um just to, to dip my toes in and then uh when they rang up and said send me back for 12 months so I got back to the camp and then about two or three weeks later, uh, the superstar was having a, a big fight in the country. So we've jumped in the car, we've gone to the weigh-in and then uh, one of the Westerners from France never showed up and the promoter's like, oh, what am I going to do? I was supposed to have a Westerner on the card and the, and he's not here. Um, how, who, what, do we, what should we do? And my trainer puts his hand up. He goes, oh, my young guy will fight. Yeah. <laughs> and the promoter's looking me up and down going, oh, I don't know who this kid is. I can't put him against the star because I don't know how good he is. I don't want to get him killed. Yeah. Um, so he, he, all right, does, does anyone here uh, want to fight this Westerner? And like 50 guys. <laughs> I'm like, oh, no. And then uh, so they got everyone to stand beside me to see who was the closest in weight and height and everything else. And then um, one of the guys was close. All right, tomorrow you guys are on. I was like, oh, shit. Yeah, right. And then um, he ended up uh, going the five rounds. I got cut in the last. In the last, say, couple of minutes, so blood's pouring down my face, and I still managed to do enough to get the win. And then uh, the promoter was so happy after the fight. He goes, oh, um, if I hadn't known who you are, I, I would have done more. But from this point, uh, moment forward, you're going to be one of my fighters. Um, you're going to fight again next month against uh, on, on TV against this superstar. It's like, holy shit. <laughs> so, yeah, then it just, um, yeah. And then that fight, the month later, was in front of uh, 60,000 people in Open Park, in the south of Thailand, and then uh, he was a former champion and a former superstar. And then in, in the lead up to the fight coming up, next minute he's back on the front covers of the magazines. Oh, his name's Lucte. Yeah. Uh, Lucte is back to, to to fight the Westerner and to, to restore the the country and the pride. And it's like, oh no, oh no. And then you rock up and you see sixty thousand people. It's like, this is terrifying. Because um, because and then. Being the white guy, you're not expected to That's win. That's what I was about to say. Yeah. They'd all be cheering for him. They'd all mate. cheering for him. And then yeah. I, I was lucky to stop him in the third. Yeah. And then, um, yeah, then the opportunities kept coming. And then we got the opportunity to fight um, at this famous stadium in Bangkok called Lumpini Stadium. Yeah. So I was the first Aussie ever to fight there. 
That's a, like that's the best that's stadium the best, in Thailand. The best, you know? yeah. I mean, you be the Lumpini champ, and that's yeah, you so go yeah. anywhere from I, there. I, I got the fight there, and then uh, uh, end up having a, a fourth round knockout. So it's in my in my head, uh, the idea of crossing the ropes and putting my foot on the canvas, and in my mind, I, I'd already won. Yeah, I'm now officially the first Aussie. So in my mind, I was like, this is this is the dream. And and then I look across, and, oh shit, I got to fight you now. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, yeah, luckily. Um, the first two rounds wasn't going my way. I come back into the second and my trainer started yelling at me, what are you waiting for? Come on, you know you can do better than this. Get out there, come on, uh, more aggression, be fight harder. So then uh, the third round, I, st- I started landing and then I'm not sure if you know much about Thai boxing, but um, you start getting the roar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And once you start landing, the Thais are rah, yeah. rah. And I'm, shit, they're cheering for me. This is amazing. And then rah. And then uh, that gave me more motivation to, to push harder. And then the more I pushed, the harder they cheered and then end up stopping me in the fourth. So, yeah, not only be the first Aussie, but the win by knockout, it was like, oh, this is just too just, cool. Just a dream come true. Yeah, this so, is really cool. So what was the first kind of biggest name or even your biggest idol that you versed over there? Ooh, so, so I ended up winning my first nine fight straight. And then uh, I remember we were on a Saturday afternoon, we were watching the Thai boxing on the TV. And now the commentators were talking about future cards coming up. And they said, all right, so next month we got uh, Sanctanoi versus this guy and what this guy, this guy. And we got uh, John Wayne Parr versus uh, Orono. And the room stopped and everyone just looked at me. I'm like, what? And they go, you're fighting Orono. So you didn't know I, before I, then? Yeah, I had no idea. Yeah, No right. idea. And then because um, I'd beaten nine tires, I had a little bit more confidence in now. Yeah. And, and everyone's looking at me like, oh, Orono. And I didn't know who he was. And I'm like, yeah. And they're going, no, you don't understand. Scary. <laughs> You're fighting Orono, which is like the Tong Po of a kickboxing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, no worries. I've already beaten nine. I'll be right. They're going, no, no, you don't understand. So then, um, yeah, the day comes. And it was the first time fighting at the stadium. So we didn't know where hotel to stay at or we didn't know anything. And then it was uh, eight, eight, 8 o'clock in the morning weigh-in. And then the TV show starts at one in the afternoon. So I only had a the few same day. Same day. Yeah, right. So in Australia, you have a twenty-four hour time period where you weigh in, and the next night you're fighting. Well, this is weighing at eight, and, and so you, you've starved yourself six, seven kilos, and then you've only got time for one meal before your fight's at one in the afternoon. So that uh, didn't quite rehydrate enough, and didn't quite get enough uh, uh, food. Um, the fight comes, and then I remember being in the in the change room before the the fight actually started and, and the promoter walked in the room who's a superstar and everyone stops and pays attention and goes all right john wayne today if if you beat orono um your next fight will be for a lumpini title yeah so holy crap this is this really is the dream now yeah, this is amazing but uh, unfortunately i ended up um getting cut in the second and then stopped in the third just too much blood yeah yeah, yeah. um but luckily for me that was 97 and then uh, the year 2000, uh, I was at a fight show and I, uh, it was called The King's Birthday. And the, um, what happens is the promoter gets paid by the TV. So if he does an outdoor promotion, um, it's free. So every year they, they celebrate The King's Birthday in Bangkok and uh, 100,000 people come to this park. Oh, yeah. So they have fireworks and dancing and they have everything going on. In the center, they have a boxing ring and it's surrounded by 100,000 people. And then, um, so the day before we had the weigh-in, I was supposed to fight a right-handed uh, opponent. And then the promoter comes up and he goes, all right, John Wayne, your opponent, he's um, a little bit too small. Um, he doesn't want to fight, so tomorrow you're going to rematch Orono. Like on like 24 hours notice. Yeah. <laughs> what? 
Um, so as soon as the weigh-ins done, I quickly go and grab my trainer and say, oh, they, they want me to fight Orono. And then the, my trainer's like, I, I got, uh, we'll take it, we'll do it. Um, I'm, I'm quite confident. Um, i got a game plan. Uh, I'll tell you tomorrow. I'll tell you in the, tomorrow morning. Tomorrow. Right before you fight. Yeah, I, yeah, I wouldn't <laughs> mind if you could tell me now. That'd be much more better. Yeah, no, 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 no. I'll tell you tomorrow. So um, they go to bed and freaking out, thinking, oh, no, because at that stage, it'd be my most painful fight. Um, ended up giving me 21 stitches across the eyebrow and under the eye. And then uh, the next morning I wake up and I said, oh, same thing, same thing. All right, what are we doing? It's all right. So you're usually um, an orthodox fighter. Uh, so tomorrow I want you to fight Sapo. It's like, what? He goes, oh, your opponent's Sapo. So if you stand Sapo, so, uh, I don't know if you can see, but so if I stand this way and he's Sapo, that means his elbow is going to come through this way. Yeah. But if you stand Sapo, that means you can use his hand as protection. It's so when block, he does elbow, yeah. you, can, you can block it. Yeah. Ah, uh, Sure. So um, it sounded good in theory, but it's like, I've never done yeah. so. This is nuts. And then the whole time for the next, like, all day, just freaking out, going, how am I going to do this? How am I going to do this? Maybe I'll do it for the start and then hopefully and then switch. If, if it doesn't work, I'll go back to Orthodox again. Um, even uh, five minutes before walking out, I'm just sitting on the stage waiting to walk down the runway. Think, ah, 100,000 people just yeah. pooping <laughs> my, just <laughs> shitting my pants. And then... Um, the, the fight started and I've gone southpaw, started landing, started landing, started kicking, and then uh, everything was working. So round one goes, round two, round three, round four, and I've stayed southpaw the whole time, and everything's working, the plan, everything's going perfect. And then I end up dominating and end up taking his um, world title off him yeah, in right. front of 100,000 people live on Thai TV. It's like, ah, oh, this is the dream. This is like the, the Tong Po, this yeah, is the, yeah, the, yeah, like yeah, a yeah. movie. yeah. So, so yeah, definitely my, my proudest moment in the sport. So, would yeah. that you, would you say that was your best fight or your biggest one, fight to one, history? One, one of yeah, um, there's so many. I've been lucky to have 149 fights, and that was definitely the one of the highlights for sure. Yeah, well, yeah. it's like the first time you win anything big yeah. in your life. It's just so memorable. So, so that you. was 2000. Then the year uh, 2004, um, I get an email. Hey, John, Wayne, we want you to. Um, Consider you to fight it in a Super 8 tournament in, in Rajanaman uh, Stadium, which is like Lumpini and Rajanan are both like the two biggest stadiums in Bangkok. Yeah. Um, it's uh, 100,000 baht to enter, which is about five grand, which is a lot of money back then. I never yeah. earned that much money in Thailand the whole time. Who, pa who pays for that? Oh, the promoter. Yeah. So we'll pay you 100,000. Uh, and then uh, you have, it's eight, eight man tournament. So you have to fight three times in one night. Yeah. And if, if you win all three, it's a million baht to the. Uh, winner so it's a million baht a world title and a trophy from the prime minister of thailand yeah it's like damn that's awesome uh yeah for sure Put, sign me up so I fly over there three weeks before the show go back to my camp and then uh the other eight guys are all pretty big names and my train is uh, shooting and moving at the time so he's barely there and, <laughs> and he has no expectations of me winning so he does like ah Wow, you'll be right yeah, 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 yeah. you'll be fine <laughs> watched me train like three or four times in the three weeks I'm there and then um, yeah I was lucky to my first opponent was a Russian and then my second opponent was against the favourite from France and I stopped him in the third and then my the final was against a tie that had previously beat me um, three times in a row yeah. I'd never beaten him and now we're meeting in the final and, and this time I, I finally beat him for um so I got the the million baht, uh, the world title, and then the trophy from the prime minister. It was like, 
Yeah, and they were li all live on Thai TV. Yeah, right. So the next day, I go down to the news agent and go to the shops, and then every single newspaper has got photos, and every single magazine's got photos, and um, interviews and stories, and then radio stations ringing up. I remember uh, the radio rang my trainer, so I'm doing a, an interview on Thai, and then I remember I, I handed the phone back, and then the interviewer started. Um, uh, arguing with my trainer saying, how could you teach the Westerner to beat us at our own sport? Yeah. What, what are you thinking? Like, how could you? Like, it was a, a disgrace. Yeah, because it's their national yeah, sport over there. And then he's like, well, he's been with me for four years. I consider him like my little bro. Yeah. Like, what am I supposed to do? I'm like, how, I can't not teach him. Yeah. Um, and of course I want him to be great. Why, why wouldn't I? And then, um, yeah, from that moment forward, there the just seemed to be the influx of Westerners that hit Thailand enough of that. Yeah, so, yeah, you would have been an yeah. inspiration to... So, so I was one of the... The first guys, uh, a lot of the Westerners would come for a month and go home or come for two weeks and go home. And then I was the first guy to stay there pretty much full-time for four years. Yeah. And then um, and then now you see Westerners staying there yeah. like years and years and then. Uh, no, but before then, like they were, even the promoters were like, when are you going to go home? It's like, no, nah, I, <laughs> I, I love it too much. This is awesome. And uh, what was it like? Like, obviously you would have been a pretty big superstar over there. What was it like coming home and then... Were you still as big over here at the oh, time? Oh, not really, no. The um, e Even to this day, you, you go overseas and you go to Japan and you're fighting in front of 40,000 people. In, in Japan, they have a, a TV audience on, on free-to-air TV of 20 million. Yeah. And then right. you, you, every time, so you're in your room, you catch the lift, you go down, the lift opens up and there'll be like 50 people and um, they all look and they all rush to the lift and then you've got to get through the, all the crowd to do all the signatures and the yeah. photos and they're giving you... Um, presents and toys and and they had these uh, professional signature boards that you sign with all gold trim around them yeah it's, right. it's amazing but uh, it's um the novelty wears off very fast after about two or three days every yeah. time you go downstairs <laughs> you gotta psych yourself up because you know you got 20 minutes of shit before yeah. you, you walk outside it's fun but it's yeah it it's, does get on your nerves a little bit yeah um and then so you're a superstar for like five, six days and then you come back to Australia and then you just blend in with every yeah, Joe Blue. no one really, no unless one. you're in the sport, no one really yeah. knows who you are. So on the, um, oh, that one I just won, so the one, the, the world title, the million baht, I get back to Australia and I thought, oh, I'm going to ring the Courier Mail. Yeah. They're going to love this. So I ring them up, oh, can I speak to sports please? Hey, my name's John Pa. I've just come back from Thailand. I've just won this massive tournament. Um, to explain the whole thing. And, and the lady was like, yeah, look here, Sonny. It sounds like you're exaggerating this story. Um, <laughs> we really concentrate on football and cricket and the Korean Mail, so uh, maybe ring your local newspaper. And then she hung up on me. Yeah, right. She didn't even say goodbye. She just hung up. I was like, what? <laughs> I hear, uh, here I am, so proud and everything else. Yeah, one of the best things you've ever done. Yeah. Re re representing the country, and here we go. I can't wait to finally get my name out there. And then, boom, boom. No. <laughs> so, yeah, it was sort of heartbreaking, but... Reality, yeah. You get you, and then, then um, uh, so I was very lucky to go and train with uh, George St Pierre for a couple of weeks. Yeah, yeah. We were talking to someone the other day about yeah. that. Yeah, actually. went went over and trained with him, and then we were side by side for the whole time I was there. Uh, we did a week in Montreal, and then we did a, a week in New York, and then um, being side by side with him, he just wherever he went, I'd never seen anyone get smashed um, so hard by the fans. Like everywhere he went, he just get inundated by, um, yeah, just crazies 
Yeah. Um, and then getting the photos is okay. And then you get that odd person that had the phone and like be, be like this far away and try and do the old sneaky. <laughs> it's like, and then George would be like, mate, I can see you. Just ask me. I'm happy yeah. to take a I'm happy Yeah, because he's a nice guy. He's yeah. such a nice guy. I'm happy to take a photo. Just all you got to do is ask him, right? I'm standing right here. And then. Um, but you, like, for someone that doesn't know you, like, you seem like a very nice guy, but. First meeting you, you look, you're a very scary dude. Yeah. Like, so I understand why yeah. people like trying to do a sneaky one. Yeah. Like, you're, you're pretty intimidating, so I don't blame him. Yeah. And then, um, so with George, like, if he went to the nightclubs and stuff, he'd have a couple of his friends that help security and help um, just live normal. And then if we went to a restaurant, like, every two mouthfuls, he'd have to stand up, get a picture of the waiter. Yeah. Two mouthfuls, <laughs> the chef would come out. Two mouthfuls again, the owner of the restaurant would come and I was just like, oh. And then it's sort of you appreciate having your freedom too because he is like a, a, a prisoner of his own fame. Yeah, fully. It's like, uh, I want to be famous. And you see him, it's like, oh, that whole famous thing doesn't look that much exciting. Well, that's where all. you kind of had it. That would have been good. You kind of had two worlds. You had a world where you're a superstar and then you could come home and kind of, yeah, as yeah. you said, blend in a bit. Yeah, so you get so a break from it. It's um, seeing what I have to go through and then just not having any freedom or – yeah. Um, yeah, he'd, he'd go to the toilet, go to the cubicle, he'd open the door and there'd be someone standing Wait, there. Oh, can I get, can I get it's like, oh, and then can I wash my hands before I shake your hand yeah. first? Just, just, uh. What were you over there with him for? I, uh, so, um, I got the opportunity to go and do uh, 10 seminars in 10 days in, in, in uh, all throughout Canada. So I, I spent the whole time there and teaching, teaching, teaching. And then uh, after the seminars, there was two days spare before I had to fly, fly back to Australia. And the owner of the camp that brought me over goes, oh, so what do you want to do for these last couple of days? I've never been to Canada, but I have no idea. Yeah. He's thinking for a second, do you know George St. Pierre? Do you want to meet George? He's, he's only like an hour down the road. I can take you to his gym and we can say good day if you want. That'd be amazing. That'd be really cool. That'd be so cool. So they ring up the camp and they said, oh, John Wayne, yeah, we know John Wayne is. Um, tomorrow's Muay Thai sparring day. Does John Wayne want to jump in and do some rounds? I'd love to, since I'm here, for sure. So we rock up to, um, we go to Montreal, um, we go to TriStar Gym. I got introduced to the owner of the camp, Faraz. And then uh, everyone's got their shin pads and gloves on. And uh, Faraz is like, all right, so George, you go with John Wayne. Yeah. And I'm like, ah! <laughs> <laughs> and then um, I remember just being like this five-year-old girl just going, oh, George, it's so nice to meet you. Yo, this is amazing. I can't <laughs> believe we are. And he's just looking at me. He's like, I'm some scrub. Yeah. And then um, the, the start of the rounds began and then, he threw a, like a jab and I parried and threw a kick and I blocked and threw something else. And I thought to myself, you know what? Screw it. I'm going to have a crack. Yeah. So I just started chasing him. And I'm chasing him from one side of the cage, the other side of the cage. And then um, he threw a lazy jab and I parried the jab and I threw a head kick. And I, and I placed my shin on his neck and just left it there. And it was like one of those old westerns where the, the music stops and everyone goes, <gasps> yeah. And then uh, everyone's like, wow. And then uh, we kept sparring. Then after the spa, um, I remember we were cooling down and George sort of come up to me nice and nonchalant and it's like, I, I just want to thank you for not knocking me out. Yeah. The perfect opportunity. Anyone else would have, yeah. could have been there claimed the fame. Well, that that's what George, they do. Well, that's George they get their name out. Yeah. And then um, you just place it there. I said, oh, no, no. I just want to show you that I could. Yeah. Um, I didn't want to hurt you. I just wanted to, to, to show you that. Um, so we did some photos and we did the, the fan thing. I went back to Australia. And about three or four months later, I'm sitting on the computer just mucking around and the phone rings and I see it's an international number. And then uh, it's uh, Faraz, the owner of TriStar. Yeah. He goes, hey, look, I'm sitting here beside George and we were so impressed by the spa you guys had. There's any chance you want to come back to Montreal and uh, train George personally for a couple of weeks? Yeah. And I, oh, hang on, hang on. 
I asked my wife, hey, Angie, do you mind if I go to Canada and train? Yeah, you do what you want to do. Yeah. Uh, uh, sure. So a week later, I got a ticket to go. Um, I, I arrive in Montreal. And then, uh, you know, when you get to the airport and there's someone that's always... Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's George St. Pierre. Hey, I'm over here. And I was like, holy <laughs> shit, this is insane. Did he know who you were the first time you I, went there? I don't, I don't think so. Yeah. I don't think so. I was, I was so, like... Big eyed, like so nervous and so like a uh, little kid, just um, starstruck, <laughs> just starstruck. Yeah. Um, and then and then we're dri- driving in his car and he's he's uh t- oh this is the hotel I like to keep Freddie Roach and all the other famous people and it's like holy shit yeah. And then um, next day he's down in the foyer waiting for me and then even the 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 baggage boys they're like who are you yeah like why is George picking you up every- well you must be somebody because yeah. this is insane we've never seen George Saint Pierre so much. So oh, no, I'm just here to help him out, and then um, so we did a week in Montreal, and then one one day randomly, hey, you ever been in New York? I've never been. Let's go. Yeah. So he rings his travel agent. Next couple of hours later, we're on a plane. We're flying to New York, and uh, then we went and trained at uh, Renzo Gracie's gym in um in the middle of the city. Yeah. And then uh, again, just like mind blowing. Just like every time you walk into the gym, you see all these superstars all in the these room. Killers, yeah. It's like this is <laughs> too much. And then enjoy. Oh no, he's with me. And then, um, and then working with George on the pads, one of the the um, trainers, um, John Danaher, yeah, who's a jiu-jitsu yeah, I know legend. Who he is, yeah, he's um, he was watching George hit the pads, and then he, uh, after he finished, uh, John come up and he's whispering, and he goes, "Oh man, I've never seen someone improve so fast. Only in, in seven days, what you've done with George is incredible. Yeah, um, I've never seen him hit so hard on the pads. But the only problem was, uh." So George was just about to fight Johnny Hendricks. Yeah. Um, and then I was there 14 weeks before the fight. So we trained for two weeks and there was still 12 weeks to go. And like that situation I was talking about before about going to Thailand long term to make that muscle memory. So, and then uh, because we only trained together two weeks, that last 12 weeks he would have went back into his old ways yeah. and ended up having a really hard fight against Johnny. Yeah, he only just won that. Just yeah. won, yeah. I thought he won. A lot of people controversially thought that um, Johnny won, but yeah, um, I thought he could have fought a lot safer and smarter. Yeah. But um, he put himself in jeopardy a little bit and almost lost, but um, yeah, happy he got the win. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's when Johnny was in his prime too. He yeah. kind of fell off the radar a oh, bit I after think that. that. So, another story. So, we're a couple... Uh, that that ten weeks or whatever it was before I left. Um, so George is talking to me about. Oh, I want to start working with Asada. Yeah. Uh, I want. I want to get. Um, I want to pay for me and uh, Johnny Hendricks to get randomly drug tests for these next ten weeks to make sure there's no funny business because there's yeah. a lot of speculation that Johnny could be on the the special source. Yeah. <laughs> and then um, the next day, Dana White came out on an interview saying, "Oh, George St. Pierre has trust issues. He doesn't believe in the." In the UFC and then what we're doing to emulate, because they they just test on the day, yeah, and that they the and then yeah, so you could juice up beforehand and up then and just then get then off it. And but with the Asada because it's so random over those those next um, couple of months, yeah, and then um and then it wasn't till after the fight that all of a sudden oh no we're gonna start bringing Asada and start testing. The, it's like George when they made a fool out of George, like yeah. fully ridiculed him for not. Um, Playing the UFC game, and then as soon as the fight was over, all of a sudden they they come up with the idea. It was like it was their idea. Yeah. <laughs> so like, what, what? So you you reckon it stems from him? Oh, for sure, yeah, for right. sure. I, I remember sitting at the table talk. Uh, the Sada come and sat with us, and George was saying, "Oh, look, I want to do this, this, and this, and yeah. I, I want to make sure it's an even playing field across the board." Yeah, because he would have had a bit of like say because he was the champ at the time. Yeah, and, he, and, 
and George is saying, I'll pay for it. I'll pay for both of us to get tested, but I yeah. want him tested before we get to the event yeah. because um, because I don't want him cycling off it and then come, yeah. coming in like uh, the Hulk. Yeah, well, he was notorious for blowing out in oh, between yeah. fights, Johnny Hendricks. And then as soon as they implemented the Asada program, I don't think Johnny Hendricks went to fight no, out for that. That's what, well, that's what yeah. I said to you. That was kind <laughs> of his prime, and then he dipped off after that. A lot of fighters did yeah. in the um, UFC after that yep. all come in. After training with George or anything, did you ever think, oh, I'll give UFC or MMA a shot? Or you oh, and, uh, that was already high profile. And then um, starting jiu-jitsu as a white belt, it would have taken me so long to get to that level. Yeah. And, and I, I, I'd accomplished so much in Thailand and I was already a big name and already make, making good money yeah. in, in what I was doing. To, to go back, I would have been back on the... yeah. On the pennies, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's why a lot of people get into MMA, like the elite wrestlers and stuff, because there's no avenue to really make money yeah. where you were already making yeah. a pretty good living doing what you were doing. And then luckily th- through one championship, they offered me like a really good contract. So um, yeah. so that sort of helped. And then bringing the, the, the cage Muay Thai back uh, to the worldwide, it was yeah. like, yeah, this is awesome. I'd rather do this. And as much as I like uh, being a fan of MMA and, and being involved, yeah, um, yeah, Muay Thai is definitely, definitely my thing. I like striking. So did you learn anything off um, George? Uh, or were you there just to teach him? Just, just mainly teach. When, when he was rolling, I'd sit and watch, but yeah. um, I, I never jumped in and I, I'd save all my energy for when it was time to do uh, our sessions. Yeah. So, yeah, and George was, um, he's that guy that would go for a three-course meal somewhere at a really flash uh, restaurant or somewhere. He goes, all right, you ready? Uh, ready for what? To go train? Yeah. So we just had a three-course meal. <laughs> yeah, he's like, yeah, so let's go. He goes, I want to put myself in, in uncomfortable positions where I'm full or I'm... I'm, I'm yeah, I, like I, don't I, feel the best. Yeah, I, I, I'm feeling a bit ordinary, but I'd rather push myself and see if I can yeah. um, still be on top level. So I said, like, oh, if you want to go, let's go. Yeah, well, he was super, yeah. super well known for bringing in all them super professional ways of training like whether it was getting people like you in he was one of them early yeah. early adapters of that and then he's that guy that um he'd set himself tasks where if he was driving through a tunnel he'd see if he could hold his breath from the all the way through the tunnel or just little things that every single thing that he thought of was a a different training method yeah yeah, yeah well, I, I read this or i heard him in an interview once say about just making the other fighter like twitch like if he just like kind of um like makes him flinch when he's kind of um, going and pretended to jab or faint. Yep. Just them twitching and like kind of clenching up wears him out. And yep. he was he didn't under, or he was one of the first to understand how much that actually takes out of their opponent. Like making them clinch or or faint as yep. if they're going to get hit. Like he was just super smart for his time. Man. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. He's the nicest guy. And then what you see on TV is him in real life too. He's yeah. And then w- while I was trying to help him out with the, the pads and stuff, all right, so turn your shoulders. Yes, sir. Yes. Just call me sir. Holy crap, you're your same Um, So obviously you've fought in um, a heap of countries during your time. Yes. How many countries have you fought in? And uh, what was your what was your favourite? Uh, so many countries. So I've got the fight in Japan 17 times. Yeah. Fought in England twice, Italy three Holland once, Singapore six, yeah, um, New Zealand twice, uh, Jamaica. I fought in Jamaica. Probably Jamaica was the most weirdest. Yeah, because you fought Bukow over Bukow there, didn't you? Yeah, yeah that's my one hundredth fight was against um, Bukow. Yeah, and then I uh, remember the promoters. Hey, we got an opportunity to fight uh, world title opportunity against Bukow in Jamaica. It's like Jamaica. Uh, sure. 
So I remember we rock up and then we were staying at a five star place in um, Montego Bay. Yeah. And then they, they it uh, keeps it away from Kingston because Kingston's pretty rough yeah, apparently. Pretty ghetto, yeah. But um, Montego is like like really prestigious yeah. and everything else. And then they put a, a ring on the on the next to the beach outside. Yeah. And then they had all these grandstands and they were expecting like over five thousand people to come and cheer. And but the only problem was they were charging US dollars in a third world country to for the yeah. spectators. So every time we go for somewhere for eat or, or cruising with um, talking to locals, are oh, you going to come to the event? So that's like a month's wage. Yeah. So then um, they had the fight. Uh, when the show started, they only had a hundred people come, and that hundred people was the cornermen and the fighters and yeah. the, the the friends of the fighters. There and probably no, tourists and no stuff locals. that could afford it. Yeah. No, so they end up losing close to half a million dollars. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So they they had ten fights, ten world titles, everyone for the best of the best from every country you could imagine. Thinking they were gonna oh wait till the world sees this and yeah. everything. No one came. <laughs> what promotion was that for? It was called Champion of Champions. Yeah, right. Yeah, it was such a. Why did they do it in Jamaica? You know, uh, I think there was two um, uh, financial gentlemen that uh, had just started a, uh, a new web design where hospitals could figure out what patients medication wise they could they could yeah. Work so they sold it to all the other hospitals and made all this money. Yeah. And they were big fans of the kickboxing and thought, oh, well, let's, let, now we've got this money, let's promote the sport. Yeah. And But um, they did a couple of posts on Facebook. Hey, come to Jamaica and watch it. And then without the proper promotion and proper... Yeah. Um, Advertisement. Pro pro professionalism. Yeah. There's no one there. Yeah. So, yeah, it was, it was um, it's such a shame because it could have had potential to be like Super su yeah. superstars, but especially yeah. how big of a fight it was between yeah. you and him. Like he's a legend. I'd have seen he signed for um bare knuckle. Bare knuckle. Yeah, I think he's fighting that, today. That's coming up. Um, I think and it's then today. Is it today? Yeah. Uh, so they got uh, Borkow, Sanchai, and all these other superstars. Yeah. All, all yeah. Yeah, but it's knuckle. it's called I think it's called Thai bare knuckle. So it's in Thailand. In Thailand. Yeah, and they're just doing bare knuckle there. So that that should be good. They they were doing the rope fights there for the last. Five six years yeah. where they rope their hands up like in the movie Kickboxer, yeah, and, that, and that's been quite successful. Um, yeah, and they're doing outdoor shows where they're getting twenty thirty thousand people to come to those events. So yeah, so surely this has got to be uh, just as crazy, yeah. just bare knuckles. So. Do you ever um wish you were getting into fighting kind of now? Like obviously you were a superstar in Thailand, but just how big fighting has become worldwide? Oh, for sure. Um, like, do you feel like you've missed out on? I'm sure you've made great money in your life, yeah. but do you feel like you've missed out on a bit because you started so early in the game? Uh, yes and no. I'm so lucky that I was a pioneer yeah. for what I did in Thailand, so I'd, I'd never want to erase that. Yeah. Um, having the opportunities and fighting in the stadiums and, like I was saying, I fought in front of that King's birthday four times. Yeah. So four different years I got to fight in front of 100,000 people. Um but yeah, seeing the guys driving around in sports cars and private jets and the the, the money wise is just um, ridiculous. Yeah, now it is. You, yeah. you, you see after the events when they when they put the prize money up on the website, so such and such just made a hundred thousand or or five hundred thousand. I think um, Kamara Usman just made nine hundred thousand yeah. for his fight last week. Yeah, it's like oh, that's crazy. But um, as good as money is, yeah, 
memories are priceless. Yeah, and as you said, you've got the name of being to, a pioneer to, and the respect of everyone. To go to another country and to, to get famous in a sport that's um, their sport. Yeah. Uh, um, for, for me, that, that's that's more than money. Yeah, well, you look for your record and just the people you fought, like Cosmos yeah. and, um, you know, Dwayne Ludwig and Bacow and just all these legends. Like, they're just, they are, as you said, the pioneers. And yeah. now they're the biggest names that all the people now talk about, you know what I mean? Yep. So yep. you got to be proud of that. Yeah, and then um, getting getting the respect off the tie. So uh, even to this day, people go to Thailand for a holiday and they say, oh, well, we're in the taxi and we mention your name. They said, well, we're from Australia. And, oh, Australia, you know, John? And then um, they say, oh, all the Thais are talking about you. It's like, oh, that, and even that, that was 20 years ago and to still be remembered from all, all yeah. that time ago. So when was the last time you actually fought in Thailand? Uh, the 2004 was the eight, eight man that I won. Yeah. And then I went back in 2010 to train with Sanchoy. Yeah. I, I trained with him for four weeks. I didn't fight, just just um, just train. Uh, I got to go to the stadiums and then you, I remember just the – Seeing the fans still in the stadiums and the referees and the referees like come and sit beside me. Oh, how you been? Yeah, right. So it was, it was like uh, going going back to uh, yeah, like a homecoming. Yeah, it was, it was <laughs> very very warm. So it was a warm reception. Would you say Thailand would probably be the best country you fought in? Uh, for Thai boxing, for sure. Yep. Yeah, sure. That every single Thai. That's why you learn to be very polite. Yeah, because everyone's a killer. Well, that's <laughs> what everyone <laughs> says about you. Yeah, how nice you, you are. You yeah. learn to you learn to say yeah, yeah, yes sir, no sirs, just because you don't want to get on the wrong side of anybody. Yeah, <laughs> and then and then every time you fight too, every time you win, you know your next opponent's going to be tougher again. So they just get tougher and tougher and tougher. So um, but yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's. it's like I said, you walk into a stadium and you're the the only white guy there. Yeah. And then um and then if you win, next minute you got all these kids circling around you. They want to touch you, and yeah. it's just the the biggest buzz just to be accepted as uh, one of them. Yeah, I could imagine. Yeah. Was there any um one that you didn't fight that you wished you fought in your career? Uh Masato from Japan. Yeah. Um, there was a the K one seventy kilo division back in. Uh, I got to fight for it two thousand four two thousand five. And that they were, they, it was a, you'd have single fights during the year. And then once a year, they'd have an eight man tournament. And that was worth 100,000 uh, US. Yeah. And then every time, the, the two years that I did it, uh, they'd always put Masato in the other bracket. So I'd be on bracket A, he'd be on bracket B. So the only way we'd, we'd ever meet was the final. Yeah. But um, I don't know if it was the promoter's idea to, to keep me away to make the, the yeah. final more spectacular or, um, but he, he was on massive money and he was, he was the guy that everyone wanted to be. So he had the sports car. Yeah. He was he was the Conor McGregor before the Conor yeah. without the shit talking. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he was on the face of Rolexes and selling BMs and yeah. whatever he, he touched. He was the the movie star, the commercial guy, the yeah. Wherever he, his face was planned everywhere. Yeah, we all know how big fighting is in Japan, like yeah. with Risen and K One and all the stuff that's been there. Like their yep. their fighters they got over there are just superstars. It, it was almost the promotion was based just off his profile yeah right so before it was the heavyweights in the k1 and then yeah. they started the 70 kilos just because of his superstardom yeah and yeah and then it took off it was a crazy and then once he retired they pretty much demolished it they didn't go, they got rid of it so, yeah so it's a shame but, but the, the fight against him would have been instant superstardom across the world just yeah. to have that one win but um yeah we never got to never got to it so yes and and what was your hardest fight like whether Ooh. you won or lost it what was your hardest fight uh so i fought a gentleman called uh Yotzingle from thailand yeah uh he was like the first time we fought was at convention center on uh in Ford beach uh he was i think 19 or 20 
the current Lumpini champion, and he was uh, first time overseas. Yeah. And at that stage, I'd already fought about 40 odd ties. I oh, just another tie. Um, but then when when we fought, the the bell went for the first round, and and usually my hands set up everything for the because they're mainly um, uh, kick orientated in tie. Yeah. So I'd use my hands to, to foster them, and then I'd land my kicks easier. And then um, I'd do a six punch combo, and he'd go slip, slip, duck, slip, slip, and then he counter me with an elbow. What the heck was that? <laughs> so then um, I thought, surely that's a fluke. I'll do it again. And then sure enough, he'd slip, 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 and then head kick me or something. It's like, what's going on? Yeah. I'd, he, he was like the, the human shadow. Yeah. I just couldn't touch him. And then um, so he, he beat me that one. And then uh, I think two or three years later, I was, I was on a reality TV show called The Contender. Yeah, yeah, I remember. And then um, we were both on that. And then. Um, uh, we ended up meeting each other in in the final in in Singapore, and then uh, the same deal again. Oh, so uh, my my dad was dying of cancer at the time. Um, he was terminal, and this, this was going to be the last time that he's ever ever going to get to see me fight. So yeah. um, I really wanted the win for him. So the first round, but thirty seconds ago, Justin Guy drops me. And I just remember like, picking myself on the canvas, going, "Oh, I can't, I can't go down like this." Second round drops me again. I got to get up. I got to get up. Ready to get up, and then um, I just chase him, and then um, round three, four, and five, I, I start getting more confident and more start landing, start landing, start landing, and then um, the fight ends, and then he because of the knockdowns, he's he's obviously beat me, but uh, yeah. uh, so it was one hundred and fifty thousand US for the winner and, and the champion of the contender, yeah, um, which was a global superstar. So even though I lost, it was probably my, one of my proudest moments that. Um, to, to face adversity, get dropped twice, and to still come back yeah, and to and still finish strong. Yeah. Even though I didn't win, I, f I was happy with the way that I could finish on my feet. And um, yeah. and uh, but yeah, and then when I got back to Australia, I was lucky to spend because I had a little bit more money now. I could spend the next three weeks with my dad before he passed. So. Yeah, right. And then uh, I remember they we had the fight, uh, and then they aired it like a two or three days later, and it was on the laptop. So I took the laptop to the hospital. Yeah. And um, I was sitting beside Dad, and we're both watching it. And then got dropped, and got dropped, and come back a little bit, and then and then they did the winner. And it was probably one of the most um, um, proudest moments when you get that little that yeah the hug of like your dad's going, mate, you can fight that guy ten times, yeah. never going to beat him. But yeah. I'm I'm really proud of you the way you fought. Yeah, it just it made me so so happy. Yeah, that's and then so, so Dad passed, and then a year later I get the the call, hey. Do you want to fight your single for the third time? Yeah. Yes. Yes, I do. And then um, I, I managed to beat him. Yeah, right. I man, I finally. And then I, I remember the fight was done. I went to my phone and I went, there was the first person I wanted to call to say that did it. But then um, the, that realisation is like, ah, oh, he's already, already passed. Yeah. Was that, just, was that what probably your most emotional fight? Oh, for sure. Um, I remember because he'd already he dropped me in the first fight. And then we went the distance. And the second time he dropped me twice and we went the distance. And then I remember walking towards the ring and um, this was the first time I was going to make uh, 35 grand for a fight. Yeah. And I remember as I'm walking to the ring, oh, there's a good chance I'm going to get knocked out again, but fuck, at least I'm making 35 grand. <laughs> 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 it doesn't matter. At least I'm making good money. Yeah. And then, um, yeah, I remember just just uh, just fighting my heart out. And then... Um, and then knowing that what dad said too, saying you're never going to beat this yeah. guy, and then then they finally actually beat him. It's like, 
I did it. Just going, oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, I, I wanted you to be there so bad. This is there any fight that I wanted you to be there to yeah. see? Um, we could it's, have both. Yeah, it's sh- one of them moments in your life where you kind of can't believe you've done it. And yeah, then, and yep. then, yeah, you didn't and get to share. Yeah, it he was you. my motivation too, saying saying that I couldn't. Oh, I'll show you that I yeah. can. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, what was probably your worst injury? Worst injury. So I fought a gentleman called uh, Toby Smith. Um, he's Aussie, yeah. Yeah, Aussie yeah. from Perth. Yeah, yeah, he's a really good, really good guy. He went to Thailand for a, um, a number of years as well and trained at the big top tides, f- down, uh, gyms and fought a lot of the stars. Uh, and then he elbowed me in the cheek. And then um, the second that the elbow landed, uh, it just felt like the hot chisel um, through my skull. Yeah. And as the referees count, I'm like, oh, don't worry about counting. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. So I went to the hospital. And then, um, yeah, I'd break my eye socket in two places. So uh, they were uh, they kept me in hospital for three days, and every every couple of hours, the doctor would come in. All right, we're going to do an emergency operation. We're going to uh, uh, we take out your eye, we put in a steel uh, sheath in your eye socket, and then we put your eye back in. And then and, like, ah. <laughs> and then uh, and then they come back an hour later. Oh, I'm not going to operate. It looks like it's okay. And then a couple of hours later, they come back. Oh, we're going to operate. We're not going to operate. We're going to operate. Yeah. And then after three days, they finally come to the conclusion. Oh, so so what, what happens is when you get your eye socket broken, um, usually your eye gets sucked back. Yeah, yeah I've back seen people, it's sucked back and then kind of sets yeah, like that. Yeah. And then, then you got double vision because your eyeballs aren't symmetrical. Yeah. Um, so luckily my eyeball didn't move that fast and my vision was fine. They said, oh, look, um, we're not going to operate now. Um, we're going to let you go. Uh, the only thing is you can't fly home. So then the fight's in Melbourne. So I had to ring my mum to... to See, she would drive me back to the Gold Coast again. <laughs> yeah, right. And then, uh, yeah, so we jumped in the car, drive back home, and then I was supposed to do a, a seminar in uh, Monterey in Mexico. Yeah. And I had to, had to cancel that because I wasn't allowed to fly for like six months or something. So yeah. Yeah, so I missed out on that one. But at the same time, so with the, with the semin- seminar in Mexico, um, I was really nervous because you hear all these stories of how dangerous and how crazy it is over there. So I go on a Google, Monterey, violence, and they said, um, oh, the, the last five or six years, we've had a lot of uh, army and patrol cars and everything. So the the violence has really cleaned up a lot in Monterey. You'll hardly see any hanging bodies now. <laughs> that did not make me feel any better. Whatsoever. If I see one hanging body, I'm done. <laughs> oh, it's like, whoa, that's not giving me any confidence. Yeah, that, that, that's heavy. <laughs> did you, when, when you... Got your broken eye socket. Did you ever think, oh, that's that's me done. I won't be able to fight yeah. again. So um, I, I went got back home and I was feeling sorry for myself and my face is hurting and I, I told my wife, I, I said, oh, look, I think I'm done. After that, I, I don't know how I'm going to come back from that. She goes, you'll be right. Um, suck it up, princess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're making good money now. So yeah. last week, we've got, we've got three kids we've got to look after. We can't retire. Yeah. What do you, wake, wake up to this. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, so she was she was my um, my inspiration to keep fighting after yeah. that. So she, my, usually um, the wife's like, ah, yeah, pulling you. Yeah, she's like, nah, nah, you nah you're back in there. Do you reckon if they put the plate in, you would have had to retire? Or I'm not sure. You don't know. I'm yeah. not sure. Not sure what, what, yeah. what happened. Another, what happened to one of my students? He fought down in Melbourne, and his the opponent's punching, and he's going the duck um, just automatically. Like, and as he's gone the duck, the guy come up with a knee. Yeah, and then um, so they were just gonna. Do a little bit of uh, cleaning up to take the 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 like broken, leftover the broken bone frag- fragments, the yeah. fragments out, 
And then uh, when he woke up, they said, oh, a bit of bad news. Um, when we first went in, we, we realised there was a lot more damage than we th- first expected. So what we did, we took your eye out, we put this, the sheath in, we put your eye back in. So we only recommend keeping your eye open for 10 minutes a day. And here's some here's like a bunch of exercises to do. You're trying to get the strength back in your, in your eye socket so you can move your eye again. Yeah. And it's like, whoa. Yeah, that's pretty goodness. scary. Especially your eyesight because it's something so you don't want to live without. And then having no prior knowledge and waking up and telling them, oh, yeah, by the way, we took your eye out. Because yeah. it's like, what? Yeah. So, yeah, so he was um, wasn't happy. But at the same time, he's, he's good now. So. Oh, yeah, that's, yeah. Pretty, that's pretty hectic. Yeah. Um, I was talking to you before the show. What was it like fighting on that one X card? Like, obviously, that was the biggest yeah. card I've ever watched. Like, I think it went for ten hours. There was something like thirty fights yeah. or something on there, and massive names. And yeah, it was so cool. The um, so before that, I fought a gentleman. So I got signed to one championship, the start of two thousand and twenty. Yeah, and then about five days later, we went into lockdown with yeah. co- with with COVID. It's like, oh no, this sucks. Uh, here's the, my contract. And I, th- I remember took, taking a picture for Instagram, going, I finally got signed by one. This is the dream. Yeah. And then four to five days later, all right, boom, boom, get in your house. Don't leave. Um, all flights are cancelled. It's like, no, not now. So then I thought, well, since we're in quarantine, I'm, I had problems with my hip. So I, I got a hip replacement while everything was on hold. And then um, the one championship got in contact with me. Hey, look, everything's starting to clear up now. Uh, how would you like the fight on such and such date? So I got my hip replacement, and then nine months later, I was back in the cage against um, Nikki. Yeah. Right, Nikki. Yeah. And at that stage, Nikki was the the, the man, man. The yeah. man. He's uh, he's for everyone. Uh, superstar. Uh, so funny story. So uh, my trainer, Sankton Noy, that we talked about before, he was the star, and then uh, Raymond Deckers was the star of Holland. Yeah. And they fought three times and had one of the most famous trilogies in the sport. And uh, Nikki was a student of Raymond, and I was a student of Sangtin. Yeah, right. So then, fast forward twenty years later, and here, here's the the two students gonna uh, represent their trainers. Yeah, well, I remember because I, I I'm a big fan of Nikki's, and I um I've watched a lot of his fights, and he was actually the one calling you out and real excited yeah. to fight because you know you're a legend yeah. of the game, and he was super pumped to get the opportunity to fight. I remember yeah, him talking about it. It was so cool. And then um, so it was nine months from the operation to nine months to step into the cage and. It's probably a little bit underdone because I couldn't yeah. train as well as I wanted to, just with all the complications. Yeah. Um, so he ended up stopping me in the second. second yeah. Um, but yeah, just the it's one of those ones where sometimes you win, sometimes you lose. Yeah. But just the fact that we got to share the cage together. Yeah. I'm I'm so proud that there were all the stars that I've been managing the fight. Yeah. And then um, twelve months later, the one uh, one X, uh, Mr. Chatry got in contact with me, saying, "Oh, how would you like to do this?" And uh, I was I was still having complications with the hip. I remember messaging him going, oh, I think I'm done. Like, I might, yeah. I, if I can't train 100%, I don't want to lose again. Yeah. Oh, how'd you like to go out like a superstar? They've got this big show coming up. Um, it could be your farewell fight, an opportunity to say goodbye to the fans. Yeah. And it just happens to be the biggest show that we've ever held. And it's like, oh, for sure. Yeah. And he put me in the main card as well to make it really shine. And then... uh uh, I'll get you someone approximately your age as well. Another, yeah. I, will, I will try and make it a legend versus legend match. Um, so, yeah, uh, yeah for Edward uh, Fulayang, eh? Fulayang, yeah. yeah. So he was a former uh, one championship MMA world champion. Yeah. So yeah, we got to meet, and he was a, such a nice guy. And then uh, did we did our fight, and then. Uh, most of Chatry usually does all the uh, bonuses, the fifty thousand bonuses, and then they did a, a one on their website saying, um, 
this is for the fans. The fans yeah, get to vote. That. Yeah, the yeah. fans get to vote for who they want to see f- for the fifty thousand bonus. And I, and I was so lucky that I ended up um, had out of the thirty or whatever fighters that fought on that card, um, I had fifty percent of the vote from all the fans that they get the bonus. So yeah, it was like the ultimate um, pat on the back to, to retire. Yeah. So when you retire, you usually get a, a watch. Yeah. And I'm getting fifty grand. Yeah. Like, this, is this is better, <laughs> better than, than a watch. watch. This yeah. is better than a watch. <laughs> Was it hard finding someone that you liked? Like if you if you came up to a parent and you're like, oh, he's a really nice guy, I really like him. Is it hard going uh, to, I'm going to punch your face? Yeah, <laughs> and, and did you ever have to fight one of your old, say, training yeah, partners or I've, something? I've fought a lot of my friends and every one of my friends that I fought are knocked out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was either me, even though, even though at the time it's like, oh, I don't really want to fight you because we're buddies, yeah. but at the same time I don't want to lose either. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I was, I was very lucky to... To, to beat up everyone um, and then no hard feelings uh, they were going to do it to me too yeah. So. yeah well that's one of the best things about especially muay thai it's super respectful yeah like out of all the kind of martial arts it's probably the most respectful it's, it's, it's a bit of a shame um even though conor mcgregor is such a superstar yeah uh he started a wave because the mma was so new yeah um and muay thai has got thousands of years of heritage and history and yeah. respect and there's a certain culture Whereas because the MMA was so new that when Connor came in, he sort of changed the way that uh, people conducted themselves on interviews and trying to make themselves to sell the fights. Yeah. And not in the best way either. Yeah. Like instead of just derogatory and yeah. racism and religion and talking about everything you shouldn't talk about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then at, at the start, Connor was good because he had the fight and then he'd apologise. Look, I just want to say sorry to my opponent. Yeah, we're just trying to sell the fight. It was yeah. about ticket sales and ge- generating interest in the fight and the no hard feelings. And then as time progressed, that last fight against Dustin Poirier, that was like, wow, yeah. what are you doing? Yeah, he's, he's going got a broken leg, leg on the ground, can't even stand. Oh, your wife's in my DM. <laughs> <It's like, laughs> Come on, man, you got beat. Yeah. Just, now's the perfect time to, to have some... Um, yeah, like respect and yeah, gratitude, yeah. and just take it back. Yeah, it's probably because it's, it's it's gotten so big so quick. Like it, yes. you're saying, like it's like with you, like obviously with in the tie, you said there's a hundred thousand people watching, but now now you look over at MMA, it's it's even bigger than that. So oh, for sure, and that's why they're probably so successful. Too and has they're, has they're any of that kind of shit talking transitioned into Muay Thai's, or or has it still really, stayed no. super respectful? Yeah, one championship's always about about respect. They, yeah. they try and push the thing. So yeah. Um, and then uh, from the Thai point of view, um, my Thai trainers used to tell me all the time, um, you don't want to you don't want to shit talk because sometimes when you lose it, it backfires. Yeah. You know, if I say, oh mate, this is the guy I'm fighting, he's like a girl. Yeah. Then you lose, and you got beaten by a guy. He's like <laughs> a girl. So yeah, it all comes back tenfold. You know, yeah. you don't want to be that guy. Yeah. So we, in, in fact, um, I like to talk my opponent up. Yeah. Oh my my the guy I'm fighting, he's a champion. I'm so honored to fight him. He, um, he's a killer. And then if you lose, I, I told you this guy's a killer. He yeah. was a champion. I, I I I did my best, but yeah, you can tell straight away. Yeah, and then if you win, it makes you and look then if better I win, as well. Then yeah. If I, yeah, exactly. Yeah, so it's um it's a um, one of those funny ones. Did you ever keep track of like how many stitches and cuts and everything you had? Like, uh, is there yes. is there anything like you kept track of? Yes, so I've uh, had. Uh, 350 stitches in my 149 fights. So the the my first cut uh, was eight. My second cut was uh, 21. And then my third set of cuts, I ended up getting five cuts and I ended up getting 54 stitches 
you know, one one fight. So yeah. in in three fights, I'm already up to eighty something <laughs> stitches. Fire. Yeah. yeah, and then um and then I I try and keep a track. Uh, and every time I got stitches, I try and tell the doctor. I try and set them in um sets of five, whether it be five, ten, fifteen, twenty. <laughs> yeah, just, just to make it easy to remember. Um, but I had, I had OCD. It's like oh, I don't want to. I don't want a seven or a three. Yeah. <laughs> sort of. And then um yeah, I just hit three fifty just before my retirement. So. So, yeah. So, with them, um, like you said, you fought in a couple of eight-man comps, so you, yep. you fight three or four times in a night. Yep. What happens there if you get cut? Do they stitch up and make you keep fighting, or uh, if you get majority cut too bad? Them, majority of them don't have the elbows. Yeah. Oh, so, yeah. So They're mod rules, yeah. Yeah, if you, get, if you get punched and stuff, it's very highly unlikely you're going to get cut with um, from the gloves or the kicks. Yeah. Uh, but the elbows are the big the big ones that split you. As soon as they hit, their skin just, yeah. just explodes. Um. Yeah, but and then sometimes they'll 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 chuck a couple of stitches in there and throw it back in there if yeah. they have to. Yeah, and it's all about the a fighter too, depending on, on where their heart is. If they get cut, and sometimes people freak out and say, oh, "I'm done, I'm yeah, done, yeah. I'm done," so they put and the that, replacement. Or they in. don't want to do any more damage to yeah, their face yep. or something. Um, obviously, that one X card was your retirement fight. What's um retirement look like for oh, you? Oh, retirement sucks. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was only talking about this one of the boys yesterday. So you know, my whole life is just been. The dream, yeah. So every as soon as you have your fight, you, you can't wait for your next date. So you, and then if you, as soon as you have your date, so let's say thirtieth of October, yeah. So every single day, just concentrating on that date, 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 date. Laying on bed, um, thinking of game plans, thinking of how you're gonna uh, handle the situation and hey, what are you gonna do. And then uh, all of a sudden, there's a void. You, you retire, and there's yeah. like, oh, jeez. Um, like I've got the gym I've got all my fighters And I've got uh, my kids That are competing But just not to have that That, that like person goal to that, work yeah, for Yeah it's, it's So um, And obviously being a fighter And being a young kid When you're coming up You're obviously If your energy wasn't in a fight And who knows Where you, What route Most people like that Could have went down So yeah. Now that you don't have it it's, It must yeah, be hard so, so bizarre yeah. uh, the That's what We wrote a question on here About um, Yeah Have Have you ever suffered with whether it was lack of motivation or depression or anything like that, have you had any of that since no. you since you retired? Uh, a lot of because pe- a lot of people, whether it's this sport or any other sport, a lot of them when they lose that kind of atmosphere of fighting and yeah, well, just that goal or meaning in their life, you know yeah. what I mean? Uh, that definitely does my head in. It definitely um, makes me feel uh, not. I'm excited. Yeah. Yeah, I miss the adrenaline. I miss having the walking out in front of thousands of people and being on TV and yeah. having everyone um, talking about you and stuff for that that whole four-week lead-up. Yeah. And doing interviews and even though at the time, oh, not another not, not interview. And then all of a sudden it all goes away and it's like, oh, geez. So are you are you definitely done as well? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> 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 Um, I've, I've been thinking about boxing. Yeah. Um, I've had 14 pro boxing fights. Uh, it'd be pretty cool to get j- jump back in the boxing because it's not quite so hard on the body either. Yeah. And um, especially now with a, like how boxing's going, you know, it's with the social media and oh, stuff and sure. people Everyone's just going people crazy. calling out people. and The Jake you know, Pauls yeah, and the Paul Gallons. Yeah, and there's the big money to be made, you know, now oh, to, sure. to just do a you know quick fight with someone who might not be the most skilled fighter but has got a big name behind them, you yep. know. So Talking about boxing... Is there a reason why boxing is like obviously the athletes in boxing get paid so much more than obviously Muay Thai? Like, 
Is yeah. there, uh, in I your opinion, it, is, there, is there a reason why? I think just the history. It's just yep. so old. Yeah. It was the first ring sport. Um, yeah, it's just, I don't know. Yeah, it has that reputation. Yeah. Uh, every single person, uh, even if they don't know the sport, they know the sport. Yep. Yeah. So everyone can relate and then pay-per-views are through the roof. And yeah. Uh, but boxing's kind of the same. There's only the top dogs that are getting that big money. The, the one percenters. Yeah. Everyone thinks boxing is like the... When I boxed in Australia, uh, the most I ever made was... Before Mundine, the most I ever made before that was six grand. Yeah. And that was only by fluke. Uh, I was supposed to get five. And I flew to Sydney to fight on um, on, a, on a big card. And then I got to the airport and then the gentleman put me up and said, hey, bit of a um, question for you, but you're... Uh, Nader Hamden, who is number five in the world right now, his opponent never came. Yeah. So we'll give you an extra. Th- um, you're supposed to fight six rounds tomorrow. We'll give you an extra thousand dollars to fight twelve uh, for the IBF Pan Pacific title. If if you win, you go straight to number five in the world. Yeah. Uh, so oh, sure. So yeah. So my six rounder turned into a twelve rounder, and then um, yeah, I should have won the 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 after the twelve rounds, the bells rang. And then um, they awarded the, my opponent the the win, yeah, and, right. and the and the crowd just booed like I never it. heard it before. And then Andy Raymond, the commentator, went over to interview him, and and they booed so loud that he, he, he couldn't, couldn't hear him. couldn't hear him talk. <laughs> so then he's come over to me to come and um, have a chat. And then as soon as I started talking, they they had standing ovation for the whole time I was trying to talk. So even though I didn't win, win the fight, I won the war in, yep. um, in the crowd's respect anyway. Yeah. So. And then I remember the next probably month. Wherever I'd go, I'd be at a news agent or somewhere. I'd get a tap on the shoulder because uh, it was live on Fox Sports. Yeah. And everyone's like, oh, just want to let you know you won that fight, buddy. Yeah. And I'd uh, be somewhere else, tap on the shoulder. Uh, you won that fight. Yeah. So, uh, Even uh, that feels bad to uh, lose. That's going to make you feel better. It was so, um, yeah, it was definitely one of those uh, moments in time where it's like, oh, this is amazing. Yeah. Just to be have recognition as a, as a fighter and um, to, to be respected. It was, it, was, it was really cool. Yeah. So do you wish you had more boxing fights? Uh, no, no. Uh, I really like Muay Thai. I like the eight weapons. I, I yep. like the excitement of knees and knees and elbows, and I, I like boxing. Um, I think if if I retire from Muay Thai, I'd rather go to boxing than to MMA, just because yep. I know that I'm good with my hands. And it's one discipline one instead discipline, of yeah. ten or whatever it yep. is. Yeah. Yep. So um, and then yeah, the money that could be made once you hit that uh that spectrum. So yeah. Uh, yes. And then uh, the Mundine fight was, um, yeah, that was, that was probably my, my highest accolade. When I speak to Australians, um, considering I fought all the ties, no one knows who they are. Yeah. But when you say, oh, I beat Mundine, they go, oh, really? Yeah. And all of a sudden you get their attention. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. And he's he's not the most like, yeah. liked athlete, so that would that would be good as in, well. In the lead up to fighting Mundine, I don't, I'd never had so many people just stop me on the street and say, oh, bash him for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It was like I was doing a community service for Australia. Yeah. It was, it was a hundred percent. And then the worst part was he's such a nice guy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you see him on the TV and he says all these crazy and all his interviews, he's like out there and then you meet him. He's like, he's just like the, the nicest dude. And then after we fought, um, he had him at Instagram. Yeah. He sends me DMs and then he likes all my shit. And it's yeah. like, what's going on? Yeah. This is bizarre. <laughs> he's, yeah. He's obviously <laughs> just doing that to pump up the fight. Yeah. And he was, cause a lot of people did. In the early days, just tune in to see him lose. You know, it's, yeah. just, it's just like Mayweather and that. They did tune in because yeah. they didn't like him, and that's what made him a bigger star as oh, he was. For sure, for sure. Yeah, he knew how to play. He was the Connor before the Connor. Yeah, and he um, played the game, and then, uh, but at the same time, 
do you really want to sell your soul to have the Australia hate you yeah, for exactly, a couple of yeah. extra bucks? Because your boxing's only, you know, a certain time period of your life. You've still got your whole rest of your life to live and oh, then you've still sure. got that reputation. So sure, it's, it's going to sure. be hard yeah, to get rid no of one, it. No one forgets it. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, you might have a few extra bucks, but then you'd, I'd rather not have as much money and have the respect from the people coming up and shaking yeah, hands. Yeah, walking down the street and everyone yelling out good things instead yeah. of bad things, yeah. Yep. Um, yeah, he was a he was he was a good 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 guy. He um he he contacted me before his last one saying, "Oh, I just got to approach the fight." Uh, I forget the name of the guy he was supposed to fight, but he ended up losing by knockout. And it's like, oh, because uh, before was it, we, was it Horn? And uh, he lost to someone else. Um, I think he lost lost the Horn, and he fought me, and then he fought someone else. Wasn't Zarafa or something? Might have been Zarafa. Yeah, it was Zarafa. And then, um, but the thing was, uh, before we fought, I, I researched his uh, resume, and he'd, he'd only have one fight a year. He'd fight once a year, once a year, once a year. So by the time he got to me, it'd be four fights in four years. Yeah. So I knew that uh, fighting regularly, you have the, you maintain your cardio. Yeah. But if you're only fighting every now and again, yeah. Yeah. It's like starting fresh every year. Yeah. So I knew if I pressured him, that I could drown him in um, just work rate. So that, that was the plan. So over 10 rounds, um, got him on points. And then I remember him shooting me a DM saying, hey, I've just been offered a fight with Zarafa. Yeah. What do you reckon? I said, mate, do it yeah, now. Take, take don't, don't, money, yeah. don't wait a year. Because yeah. uh, now you're fit. Yeah. Now there's your perfect opportunity. And then uh, sure enough, he waited like a year again and then yeah, yeah, Zarafa did the business. Do you think that's why you kind of had such a – or just Muay Thai fighters in general have such a kind of long career because they are – Fighting so regularly and keeping their body in good nick so maybe, often? Maybe, maybe. I, in 97, uh, when I won the Strongest Western, I had uh, nine fights in 12 months. Yeah. And um, so pretty much nearly every month just competing. And you feel good. Yeah. yeah you get a couple of ouchies, but um, you look after them and then um, your, your fitness is always good. You're ready to go. And then because you're fighting regularly, you're not intimidated. Yeah. When you fight once a year, you start getting those nerves. Yeah, or you start doubting yourself because you haven't fought for so long. But then... Um, yeah, when you're fighting all the time, it's just another day at the office, pretty much. Because the ties, especially the young kids, they fight a couple times a week, don't they? When they're uh, coming sometimes, up, yeah. yeah. Um, when the before puberty, um, they're not getting the bruises and the swelling and stuff, so they can get fight two, three times a week. Yeah. Um, we had one kid in our camp. He was ten years old with a hundred fights. Yeah, that's he freaking. Fight, he fight Monday, <laughs> Wednesday, Friday, Sunday, and then um, yeah, clock him up like it was nothing. Yeah, because you see the like the. Big superstars now, like Rod Tang or the Superlex or all of that, yep. they got over two hundred or nearly three hundred wins. I think oh, Rod sure. Tang's at two ninety six or something wins. Yep. That's not fights. That's just yeah. wins. Yeah. What What was the longest duration you had in in between fights? Oh, geez. Um, I probably oh, I don't know if it was from the injury or or the COVID. Yeah, probably probably about a year in between. Yeah. So that's that's like a. Uh, from Nikki to uh, uh, Fully Young was probably 12 months. Yeah. That was a long time. When I broke my face, it was probably another 12 months. Yeah. Um, yeah, and getting over the uh, fear after you break your face, they'll yeah, have that intimidation. It's like, oh, oh man, ha happen, I, happen again. I don't want to have to go yeah. through that pain. I don't want to go to the hospital. I don't want to. And then you get through the fight and it's like, ah, oh, thank God nothing happens. So then yeah. you get confidence back again. But that first one back after a heavy injury always. And frightening yeah it's yep. just scary but it's good to have that fear because it keeps you on your toes oh, you know what for I mean sure, for sure same when I broke my rib I broke my rib back in 
six. Yeah. And then that first fight back, I said, oh. And then I got through the fight and I thought, oh, that's okay. Yeah. And then, and then from then on in, I would never, didn't never think, think about, about it. Yeah. Didn't think about it again. But leading up to it was um, quite daunting. So um, what made it time for you to call it on your career? Uh, one was the hip. Uh, couldn't. Uh, I'm, I'm a big runner. Yeah. So usually in the mornings I run 10, afternoon I run 6. Yeah. So 16 a day, five days a week, it's about 80 Ks. Yeah. And if I do a 10-week camp, it's like 800 Ks before I cross the ropes. Yeah, right. And then um, and because the, the hip was hurting so bad, I can do everything, sparring, bag, pads, uh, everything's good. The only thing that hurts is running. Yeah. And then without that element, it's such a big thing, not only for your cardio, but also for weight loss. Yeah. So they will fight against Nikki because I couldn't run. Um, I didn't make weight, and then it cost me twenty percent of my prize money. Yeah, so I had to end up paying Nikki uh, twenty uh, fifteen grand yeah. out of my prize money, and then I had to pay five Singaporean tax. So I lost twenty grand before I seen my prize money. Yeah, <laughs> it's like oh man. Yeah, we we just recently, as I was saying, you before the show started, we went to the last UFC card in Singapore, and yeah, the tax in Singapore kills you. <laughs> oh, so bad. And then um, yeah, just knowing that I couldn't be. The, the the fight with Fuliang, I was able to run twice a day and get uh, that cardio back again. Yeah. But, um, yeah, and I was 45. I was not far off on 46. Yeah. I thought, oh, 45 is like the perfect age to retire. Yeah, I'm probably yeah. longer than the tooth as it is. Yeah. Um, and then, so I re- retired on the 1X. One, one and a couple months later, I turned 46. And now I'm thinking... I feel the same. Yeah, because <laughs> I thought, oh, when I hit 46, I'm going to be way too old. And then I turn 46, like, oh, hang on a second. So how is the hip now? Oh, hip's okay. The running's still a little bit sore every now and again. Yeah. Uh, it's like a roll of the dice. Some days it doesn't hurt. Some days it does. Pads inspiring. Everyone's just fine. Inspired this morning. It was, it was, it was good. Yeah. But, um, Could you not find something to substitute the running to help you with weight loss? Oh, I, like I, I had an assault bike and I had everything else, but the, the running's just um, yeah. such a part of... Especially the, when you've done it for so long. For so long. I'd, yeah. Yeah, you try and try and uh, uh, get something else, but yeah, it's not yeah. Because I've heard a lot of um, whether it's top UFC fighters or Muay Thai fighters when they have whether it's knee problems or back problems or something and they can't run yep. it, but they haven't done it obviously as long as you have like been part of their program, so they just substitute it for something yeah, else. And, and some and of them are all right. The, but the weight loss was the main one with the with Nikki losing the money. Yeah, um, even, even I was doing like an hour on the bike and everything else. I wasn't sweating and burning yeah. the same calories. So yeah. Yeah, so they with the one championship they do a hydration test. Yeah. So you pee in the cup. And they put a little th- uh, like it's like a, a electronic thermometer and it has a little reading on the end. And you've got to have a certain amount of water in. You've got to be hydrated. Yeah. So the fir- I never done. I never fought for one before, so I didn't know the protocol. And I got there and I think I rocked up to Singapore five days before the event. Yeah. Um, and I rocked up eighty four. Had to be seventy seven. And then a friend of mine said, the pass hydration test, get the 76 and then drink a litre and you should be able to pass. Oh, yeah, I can do that. So in, in five days, I lost uh, uh, nearly eight kilos and then I uh, drank the litre. And then, yeah, I was so far off. And then um, the officials at the weigh-in, they said, oh, look, um, if you don't make the weight, it doesn't matter. But if you don't pass the hydration test, the fight's off. Yeah, right. So they said, drink as much as you can, drink as much as you can try and try and we've got a weigh-in now, and then in six hours' time, we have a second weigh-in. Yeah. So I'd, I'd drink, I'd wee, I'd fail, I'd drink, I'd wee, I'd fail. So there was 
10 minutes to go before weigh-in closing. And for my very last week, I just happened to just pass. Yeah, but right. I ended up putting on uh, six kilos of, of fluids because I drank so much to try and pass the hydration test. Yeah, right. That's hectic. Because yeah. it must be a... Um, one, to stop people cutting too much weight. And two, it's a health issue. Like, as oh, you said, they sure. won't let you fight if you're not hydrated enough because yeah. you're not going to perform oh, your best. Do you know about the gentleman that passed away? No. Uh, so on one championship, that's why they implemented the hydration because um, a gentleman cut too much and then passed away yeah. uh, through um, yeah, complications. complications. Well, you, that's what you basically do. You're basically nearly killing your body to yeah. make the weight. Like you've got no food, no water. Yeah, and then uh, Mr. Chattery, it's like, oh, no, I don't want to have this on my conscience knowing yeah. that someone's passed on my show, so we're going to change all the protocols. So if you're the... 50 kilo champ, you know the 60 kilo champ, 60, you know the 70, 70, you know the yeah. So they push everyone up a weight division. Yeah. And now we want everyone walking around at their fight weight. Yeah. So, and then because I never fought from before, I, I knew that it was there, but I didn't take it as serious as I should have. And plus, I couldn't run. Yeah. Um, and it doesn't help that Singapore's super hot, yeah. hot and yeah. humid and everything. Yeah. So <laughs> it, it, it's easy to get dehydrated. So usually with my fights, uh, I'll be 10 or 12 kilos i'm usually 82 fight at 72 yeah and then so i'll i'll try and lose as much as i can through diet and then probably the last two or three days i might have to lose five or six through um dehydration water, yeah so you'll put the sweatsuit on and then we're on, on a hot day here on the gold coast um if i do a 10k run in the sweatsuit i can lose uh, four kilos in one run yeah right so then, but then you can't drink when you get back to the gym. Otherwise, you put it all back on again. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, sitting there, and then if you got any more to go, you might have a hot bath with Epsom salts to try and suck out the more fluid from your body, or yeah, you might have to do another sweatsuit run again the next morning. So you haven't eaten, eaten or drunk water in two days. Um, so you can definitely see how you have complications. Yeah. And, and um, you got to when you rehydrate, you got to do it in portions, don't you? You can't oh, just no. like smash water. I, I, so so if I lose ten kilos, I weigh in once I get the 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 tick of approval and I've got 24 hours to get as big as I can. Yeah. So it's like a full-time job for 24 hours, yeah. eating and drinking, eating and drinking. I'm, I'll wake up at five in the morning. I'll eat again, go back to sleep. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, so I've weighed in at 72 and by fight time, I'm back to either 82 to 84 kilos. Yeah. And then if they've only put on 76, 78 and I'm an extra six kilos heavier, when we get in the clinch, I can hang off them a bit more, yeah, and, and kick and a little bit harder, punch a little bit harder. So yeah, there's a, it's a bit of a science to it. Yeah, and then and then one championship said, "Oh, we're going to take that away and make it an even playing field for everyone." Yeah, <laughs> oh, no. but it's it's crazy though. Like when the movie like Never Back Down came out, everyone wanted a fight, and yeah. um, I I started um, kickboxing. I think I was doing it for for about a year, and like just for fitness really. And then the 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 trainers like, "Oh, we'll get you to spar with someone," and um, pretty much after that, I'm like. I'm never fighting. Yeah. Like, like kickboxing is probably one of the hardest sports I've ever done before. Yeah. And I was like, nah, this is not for me. And like, yeah. I was like, nah, definitely not doing this. So it's it's definitely not for everyone. It's it's good to see that you've done it for so long and pretty much enjoyed it the whole, whole time. Um, so, yeah, when I was young, wanted to be a martial artist of, of some form. And then once I did start competing, I, I was that kid that was obsessed. Like, yeah. And then just that's all I've thought about, all I ever wanted. So uh, I, I was telling someone recently, say so every time you have the birthday cake, I want to be a champion. Yeah. You see, you know, you see the single <laughs> star, star on the sky. So, oh, yeah, making a wish. Just, it's, 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 uh, there's, there's no plan B. It's, I just want to be successful in fighting. Uh, that's all I want. 
And then, um, yeah, so lucky to, to go as far as I could. But yeah, well, um, you've done it. So you, you've got to be proud of yourself. And, and, then, and then when when it stops, it's like, oh, I didn't think of the future. This is all I've ever wanted. Now it's now it's finished. It's like, yeah. Uh, now what happens? <laughs> but you, you got your own gym now. Oh, uh, yes. Yep. So I had the gym uh, end of 99 yep. uh, through my sponsors and then uh, uh, moved to America in 2002 for nine months. Um, I got an opportunity to t- teach and train and, and fight out of a gym in Vegas. Yeah. And that's where I, I met my wife. And then, um, so so I got the opportunity to, to come back to Australia uh, to, to compete, to make some money, and then fly back in. I was going to make five grand. So five grand, wild crap. <laughs> it's going to be, this will, this will help us out in the future. So um, I flew back. And then when I went to fly back to LA, the, they don't check your passport on the way out. They only check it on the way in. Yeah. So I flew on out. I've come back through. I said, oh, uh, when was the last time you were here? Oh, three, three weeks ago. How long were you here for? Oh, three months. Three months. You don't let us stay here three months. Yeah, tourist visa is only 90 days. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, three months. I said, so the count of the days, 92. You're two days over your visa. We're going to have to um, deport you back to Australia. Yeah, right. So, um, so next minute I'm handcuffed. I've got three uh, police either, <laughs> either side of me. I get held in all these different holding cells in the airport there. Um, I get deported. Uh, so I'm not allowed to go back to America for five years. And then uh, at that stage, I just got married. My wife was pregnant. Um, so she had to sell all our car and furniture and TV yeah. and stuff to make enough money to buy a plane ticket. So, um, yeah, so, so lucky that... Uh, Things worked out the way they did because if I had stayed in America, I would have got stuck as a trainer and I yeah. wouldn't have been able to fulfill as much as I have since I've been back. But um, yeah, yeah, the biggest blessing in the skies because at the time it was the worst thing that could have possibly happened. And then the second I got back to Australia, the the amount of um, uh, opportunities. Oh, you want to fight in Japan? You want to fight in Europe? You want to fight here? You want to fight yeah. there? So yeah, so sometimes you got to take the the good with the bad, and so yeah, well that's what they say. Usually something yeah. like that's a blessing. You just yeah. don't know it at the time. At the time, it was heartbreaking. It's like, oh no, what am I gonna do? Yeah, but, um, yeah. So so fortunate that the worked out the way they did. So with your with your gym, um, do you have any young fighters on the go that are you know, uh, at we, the uh, higher we, level? Yeah, I had the gym since end of '99. We've had. Maybe five or six world champions come out of the gym so far. Yeah, right. Uh, we've got a, lots of young kids in the gym at the moment that are just um, building their name right now. And then the last two years, we've incorporated uh, jiu-jitsu and MMA into the gym as well. Before, yep. it was just a purely Muay Thai gym. Yeah. Uh, but since since the last two years, um, we're expanding out now and putting guys in uh, into the cage and um, different local shows around um, Australia. Yeah, we see it a few. Like our mate runs Rise and oh, senior hey, yeah. senior rock up with you know a heap of young lads. Yeah. So it's good to see you still involved in oh, the sport. For sure, for this, sure. is, this is the other thing we're because um, you had one of the fighters in the four man on Rise, yes. Jaden Stady. Yes, and we we were saying before we reckon he should have won that yeah, fight. Yeah, you know, like. When when the decision came through, we were like, nah, yeah, that's pretty it's much the same so same bizarre. as you when you lost that fight. Everyone's like booing yeah. kind of thing because but same as him, he had a big cut after that fight, didn't he? Yeah, Stady, so he might have not been able to go on anyways. Yeah, but yeah, it's a shame. Yeah, bit of bit of a it was, um, it was such a shame that the 
yeah, the way they worked out. And then the gentleman that that beat Jaden ended up going to win the, the yeah, whole yeah, yeah, I know, yeah. yeah. It's like, no. <laughs> yeah. Um, so obviously that keeps you busy after retirement is working with a lot oh of these sure. young fighters. Um, yeah, ho- holding pads in the afternoons now, and and, and today was sparring the boys and moving around with everyone, and so I get my my thrill out of that. Yeah. Um, and you said you said you had Jake Matthews oh, yeah, in yesterday, yeah, yesterday as well. Yesterday we we showed a whole bunch of uh, tutorials and um, just getting me to do a bunch of. Uh, mid-level stuff, so not too advanced, just yeah. for the young guys that maybe like me were growing up on the farm. Yeah, just have a bag by yourself, some different drills, or if you have a friend that can help hold pads, just different things you can work on. Yeah, um, get get a good routine, um, and trying to inspire the young people to, to get into the sport. Yeah. yeah, well, it's pretty intimidating walking into a gym yeah. for the first time. So, um, what's it like? Do you get a lot of people coming in who have oh, had yeah. nothing like no training yeah, at all? all? The time. Um, so I tell people all the time they they inquire and it's, uh, the hardest part about Thai boxing is stepping into the gym for the first time. Yeah, because you uh, you see everyone's and they're they're working hard and they're they've got the six pack and they're all sweaty and they got their tattoos. Yeah, and it's pretty. <laughs> but then you do the, your first class and they're the first person. Oh, right, you should do you. this or do yeah. this or come in and everyone's friendly and chatty and yeah. Then you realize oh they're just like me. Yeah, and they're not so bad after all. And then everyone. Because you're like a little gym family too. You want everyone to shine. Yeah. Um, and then to, to watch someone walk in for the very first time and showing how to keep their hands up and then fast forward a couple of years and they're winning their first yeah. belt. That, like yeah, that must that, be pretty amazing. That, that's, that's when the magic happens. It's um, very rewarding. Yeah. Um, they can, they're living their own dream through your dream sort of almost. Yeah. yeah. So making their own destiny. And we've seen your... Um, Two of your kids are in the fighting now too. Yeah. So are they three of them? Yeah, all three so, of them into so it? So I got a nineteen, a fourteen, and an eight. Yeah. So right. my my Jazzy's uh she's the oldest. So she's I think she had a boxing fight too yeah, the other day, didn't so she? So she's had thirty Muay Thai fights and two boxing fights for two wins. And she's yeah. the current Australian boxing champion yeah, too. Yeah, right. There's not many girls in her weight, so she they were, she was lucky to get the opportunity to fight for the, the belt and won. Yeah. And then uh, my son's uh, jiu-jitsu obsessed. Yeah. He, he wants to get into MMA, but he's at that age where he's 14. He can't quite compete yet. So yeah. getting the jiu-jitsu down. Um, starting to work a lot more in his striking as well now so that when he does turn of age that he can compete. Yeah. And then I've got an eight-year-old girl and uh, she's had, I think, approximately maybe 30 or 40 jiu-jitsu wins as well. Yeah, right. So And she's obsessed as well. So you got a, you got a house full of killers yeah. coming up. <laughs> And then that, so so my wife started jiu-jitsu a couple of years ago, and then the kids sort of um, got inspired by her. And then we talked to a Brazilian instructor, um, Daniel Amada, who's now teaching out of our gym as well. Yeah. And then um, it, it's really cool that uh, the, the everyone's doing so well. But my little eight-year-old, like she knows my heart's Muay Thai. And when mum's not around, she goes, I just want to let you know. <laughs> so she says it really so mum doesn't hear yeah so it's really cool yeah well they would have had no choice yeah. they what they're doing they're just being at the gym pretty much every day yeah it, 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 we never push the kids to compete um we wait for them to come to us and, yeah. and all, all three of them is like i want to start fighting i want to start fighting because they're around it every day yeah exactly yeah, yeah. and then um yeah so we, we didn't want to be that because you know as soon as you yeah, push them they yeah. don't want to do it. No. Yeah, well we we're in the motorbike game and you see parents who the are moto dads, good, yeah. good riders and then they just turn into these crazy freaking yeah. moto dads and just yeah. pushing their kids so hard. Yeah. It's not the best way to do it. Yeah. How how involved are you with training them? Do you train them or oh yeah, for sure. Yep. Yep, I sparred my little eight year old girl today. It was, yep. it was fun. Just um let her beat me up. Just, <laughs> just uh 
I we we have a very very good relationship. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's so much fun. And I think because I've been there and um, we can all relate to one another. Uh, it's hard for my nineteen-year-old daughter Jazzy because uh, she's in the shadow. Yeah, she's she's it's it's so hard that she wants to shine by herself and she compensates much and all she gets. Oh, you want join past daughter? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So for for her it's hard, but but she's on her way to becoming her own legit. Superstar. So, yeah. what's she more obsessed with, the boxing or the Muay Thai? Uh, she, so, she had a couple of hip complications last year uh, at 18. So, she had to go in, get an operation, get a little cleanup of the hip socket, did yeah. recovery. Um, her first fight back was a uh, Muay Thai fight, and she won that, um, did really, really well. And then, her, a month later, she fought boxing. And then, halfway during the camp, she retore her hip again. Yeah, right. So, it sort of put her off for a little bit because. Um, but, but luckily, she impressed the boxing promoter that we're, she had a, th- a three-fight contract. Yeah. So she had another fight recently and had another win. So I think she'll just uh, concentrate on boxing this year and then hopefully w- if the injuries stay away that she can get back in the kick. Yeah, and, and, and then the plan is for uh, MMA. Yeah. So now that we have the our jiu-jitsu instructor with Daniel um, and then just seeing everyone else shine with the jits. So she's yeah. already got the striking. Um, she just has a bit more time on the on the mats, and yeah. um, it yeah. won't be long before she'll be competitive. And then, yeah, well, she sounds like she's got all the right building blocks with oh, your gym sure. expanding to the MMA side. The, of the right mindset too. Yeah, I don't have to push her, and I don't have to tell her to come to training. She's yeah, well, she would have, as you said, a little bit of a chip on her shoulder trying to outshine your yeah. name, you know. And that's yeah. good. That'll make her. Oh, that'll make her. Sure. I remember uh, last year she did an interview. And then um, I was just listening, and then she goes, yeah, so my, my main motivation is to have more belts than my dad. <laughs> <laughs> like, what? Where did this come from? <laughs> yeah. I say, yeah, it's, it's, um, yeah, it's good to have that little bit of comp- competitive rivalry. Yeah. So, and, and then, um, so when she first had a fight, she had her first fight when she was eight, and then uh, we got absolutely destroyed. Um, so uh, I rang the bulletin a week before the fight saying, oh, I'll try and get a little article and then you got something for your scrapbook for when you're older. Yeah, yeah, yeah. First fight, it's a big deal. Um, so they come out, took some photos, did a little story. I said, oh, do you, do you mind if we come to the event and we'll we'll do a follow-up interview? Oh, yeah, for sure, easy. And then um, they ring me in a couple of minutes and say, oh, do you mind if we bring Channel 9 with us? For sure, yeah. <laughs> this is amazing. <laughs> Not knowing that they were setting me up that, uh, so Jazzy fought really well. Um, uh, she got a couple of leg kicks. She started crying in the first. Yeah. She come back into the first. Um, just got her to relax and breathe. And she come back in the second and the third. And then ended up getting a draw. And then, but what the the next day I went down to the news agents to, to see if there's anything in the sports section. And there she was in the front cover. Oh, what? Jazzy on the front cover? What is this? On the front page. And then the article read, uh, venue full of drunken yobos screaming for eight-year-old blood. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so what? So they just yobos. twisted the narrative. <laughs> so bad. And then, um, so that was on. It's like, wow, this is bizarre. So the next morning was uh, bin day. Yeah. So I'm woken up and I'm having my coffee and I'm just about to go take the bins out. And I hear a knock on the door. It's like, it's six in the morning. Who the hell's at the door at six in the morning? So I go downstairs. And uh, it's today, tonight, got the camera there ready to go. Yeah. Uh, we want to do an interview with your daughter. Uh, uh, how a father forces his daughter to compete in a male-dominated sport. And Did you tell him to freaking take oh, a hike? I said, well, <laughs> I, I said well, it's six in the morning, everyone's still asleep. Yeah. If you come back at eight, we're happy to do an interview, but do you mind if you, we wait until at least... Oh, yep, yep, all right. 
So then half an hour later, I've gone downstairs, take the bins out, and they're sitting in the car right in front of my house. So I walked to the driver's window, and he winds it down. I thought you guys were going to come back. I said, oh, no, we can't leave. Mm-hmm. If, if we leave the premises, we lose our, our exclusive because we're here first. We get it, the exclusive. What are you talking about? So 8 o'clock comes. We go to the gym. We shoot a little scene with hitting pads and doing the whole business and little interview. You know, it, was, it was fun. And then um, the producer said, if I can give you any word of advice, I'd turn your phone off if I was you. Uh, you're the number one trending story for today's news. Yeah, right. And then sure enough, from that second, Courier Mail, Nova, Triple M, the, <laughs> you name it, just like it just wouldn't stop. Um, and then it's just... Um, uh, so the Monday comes and the... Uh, the Today Show with Carl Stefanovic. So they, they, they shoot to some footage of uh, Jazzy fighting and then they cut back to Carl and he's shaking his head and he said, that daughter should be taken off their parents by the, um, the government. Yeah, uh, right. Obviously they have no concern for her well-being. Um, just like threw just me under, the, under the bus, yeah. under the bus so hard. And then uh, Jazzy ran out of the room crying and it's just like our whole world has just been destroyed by one sentence yeah, from Carl. Yeah. And then, um, and then, so Jazzy was turned off by the sport then. And then a year later, she started getting itchy knuckles and come back again. And and then this time she wins by a first round knockout. Yeah. And then, so next day I go down to the store and then there she is on the front page again. It's like uh, the the knockout queen is back. Yeah. It's like oh, no. But, but now 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 it was comical because yeah. it's like we've already been through this and now you've got nothing else to put in your print. Yeah. So you got to bring our name into this again. And and then fast forward a couple more years. Now she's fighting in England and Canada and Thailand and yeah. stuff. And they try and do a story. And it's like, well, look what she's. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's, yeah. What, that's what I was about to say. When they come asking now, do you just yeah. tell them to get lost? Well, well now, now it's come full circle. When now it's like, we always knew she was going to oh. be a star. <laughs> we've all, we've always backed little Jazzy. Where it's like, what the heck? You guys are trying to d- destroy our family, and now all of a sudden, yeah, it's like, oh, it's, it's so crazy. It's like um, Joe Rogan when he got done for the ivermectin. Yeah, the, with the COVID, shit. it's yeah. like getting to see how the media can turn on you yeah. so fast. Yeah, and there's nothing you can do because everyone's saying all this stuff, and it's in the print and on the TV. Yeah, and there's no way that you can reply. Yeah, you're just the victim of. You just got to sit there and yeah. take. Hey, but then it, eventually it all comes out that you were right. Like you were right to get your daughter yeah. into into fighting. You know, um, what I mean? and then even the it's not about the fighting; it's the lifestyle. Yeah, your training and your yeah, well you see fit you see healthy. how tight knit it is. Like when you go to them fight shows, the one it's good self defense for a kid. So you know if something happens, that one they can look after themselves. Two, the confidence they get from oh, that, and then sure. three, the community, like the yes. fight community. And yeah, you're keeping fit. Like that's nothing that could be more good for you than oh, getting sure. into something like that. If you have, if you're very lucky to compete, compete for sure. But the 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 fact that you got your hanging with your crew, and yeah, you're training together, and you got a purpose, yeah. Um, you know, you got to be at the training two or three times a week, and you're hanging out with the fellas, and yeah. it's just fun times. It it's just keeps your mind healthy as well because yeah. you're focusing on something. Yeah. Um, you see the people. Uh, Joe talks about it a lot as well about um. Go out and exercising is the best of self yeah. for for getting out of um, a rut. Yeah, you sit on the telly and all I can do is the world's ending. The world's ending. Yeah. <laughs> the disease is going to get you. When you go and exercise and you, for an hour, you're forgetting about all your problems and you feel alive. And yeah. You feel healthy. Then you get that uh, adrenaline dump where you feel amazing. You've had a really good session. Yeah. 
Um, and with like Muay Thai, it's so respectful. So you're learning that side of it as well to be humble and nice to everyone rather than, you know, people when they think of fighters, they think of people walking down the street and freaking bashing someone. But yeah. that's the furthest thing from what fighters oh. do, you know. And like, like this morning, because I sparred today, I've got that out of my system. Yeah. So if you're sparring regularly and you're training regularly, you get you don't want to yeah. have to get into the confrontation. Yeah. But the, the gentlemen that um, are at the pub and they've never trained, yeah. they get a couple of uh, Dutch courage drinks <laughs> and all of a sudden they, w- they want to test themselves because yeah. they don't know where they're at. They, they believe they're good. Yeah. But because they never trained, they... They, they, they have to find something to, to prove their yeah. worth. It's funny now with the internet how you see these tough guys coming into a lot of gyms and they do videos yeah. of it and you, they just get in smoke. Like yeah. These fully trained fighters. Yeah. Do you still follow the Muay Thai scene in Australia? Oh, yeah, for sure. Yep. Yep, I'm at the fight shows all the time and yep. have a good um, um, uh, uh, relationship with all the promoters and try and get my fighters as many um, fights as possible. So. Yep. Uh, it, and then it's it's even though I'm not competing, I, I get a buzz out of being in the ring yep. and seeing them being successful as well. So yeah, it's, it's fun for me and it's fun for business. Bring a bit of flashbacks back in the glory days. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And then um, just just being their eyes. So on the ring, sometimes you can't see the opportunities. And then when they get back to the corner, try and do this, this, and this. And when they implement it, all of a sudden the the tide of the fight might change. Yeah, and, and there would be no one better than you to do that for so them as well. So, so yeah, no, it makes it definitely exciting. Is there, is there a fighter in Australia that you're like following at the moment that you think's going to go a lot further? Ooh, or whether geez. it's Australia or yeah. just anywhere, who's your favourite kind of up-and-comer or favourite person to watch at the moment? Oh, jeez. Um, well, lucky to have Jake in the gym yesterday. Yeah. So Jake's the man yeah. doing really good things for U- UFC. And um, you got uh, Israel uh, from New Zealand that's killing it. Uh, oh, so many. It's yeah. So many. Um we're Ast- we're, you know, in Australia, we're so lucky to have so many great pom- uh, competitors. Yeah. Um, we have Jake Glenn, I think, boxing tonight. Yeah, he is, yeah. And that should be a good one. So uh, we, we used to do a lot of sparring together back when we were, when I was competing as well. So to see him transition in the boxing. Yeah. Because um, he, he's already a world champion in the Muay Thai. So to hopefully can be um, that ag- take that aggression, the Muay Thai aggression in the boxing. Yeah. Um, a lot of the boxers don't like the... The pressure that the, the way that they come forward, yeah. yeah. So if you try and play the game with stick behind the jab and yeah. the bobbing and weaving, but the Muay Thai fighters have Get a tendency, face, yeah. have a tendency of just um, being a lot more aggressive, yeah, um, which works to our advantage. Well, we had a couple of um, listener questions coming in. We had um, obviously Bacow and Sancho have fighting bare knuckle now. Was that something you would ever think about doing or uh, did do back in the no, day? I've never fought bare knuckle. Um, Wearing 10-ounce gloves and MMA gloves, I've had a lot of complications with my hands and yep. wrists and uh, metacarpals and knuckles. Yeah. So the idea of fighting bare knuckle, they yeah. have to be very well compensated. <laughs> so I had a gentleman reach out to me from one of the organisations. Uh, I want to ask him how much. And he said, oh, we can't really put a price on that. Yeah. It all depends on how many people you bring uh, viewer-wise. It's like, well, yeah. that's not going to help me. <laughs> I, 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 need, I, need, I need a figure. Yeah. Because um, that Paige Van Zandt, I think she was on like a million dollars or something. Yeah, well, a lot of them are. If you see yeah. the talent they're kind of signing at the moment, they must have some freaking money. For for uh, Paige Van Zandt, prize money, that deck could, definitely could twist my arm. I know, like and she it. hasn't won a fight. She hasn't won a fight yet either, no. Yeah. So, yeah. But same thing, she's just one of them people that gets eyes on the sport, whether yeah, for it's sure. for the good reasons or not. Uh, another question is, what was your favourite weapon slash strike combo? Uh, it all depends on your opponent too because every single fight camp, your yep. your fight style will change to, to counter their strengths. 
So, um, but I, I like uh, my boxing. I like kicking. Um, so when I boxed, I boxed professionally for 12 months and then came back to the Muay Thai again. And then when I came back, I had uh, new skills to add to my lower half. So the top half got my boxing and the bottom half was my tie. Yeah. Um, so when I came back, I um, implemented sort of my own style after that. Um, but yeah, whatever's landing, I'm happy with whatever's landing to help, <laughs> me, help me win. Yeah, well, you see a lot of the top dogs now in Muay Thai are a lot more strike and heavy than they used to be. Like yes. they used to, especially the ties used to pretty much just throw kicks and no hands and j- maybe just kicks and elbows. But, you know, you guys like Rod Tang and that are yeah. super strikers now, you know what I mean? So 2012, um, I'm a big MMA fan and, and yeah. seeing these guys compete in the cage and um, it's like, oh, I want to fight in the cage. I, the cage was awesome. I fought in the ring over a hundred times and um, so – uh, I thought I'd get in the MMA just so I could experience the, the adrenaline of fighting in the cage. So I did my very first jiu-jitsu class and then um, uh, just as the class is about to finish, we're doing a little bit of rolling and uh, I've put my hand in the wrong position and I'm snapping my finger backwards. Um, so I broke my finger. It's like, ah. So I'm laying in bed with a snap finger thinking, I still want to fight in the cage. I, I, I still want to. How can I How can I fight in the cage without having to learn jiu-jitsu? And then I come up with the idea of, well, what about, I'll, I'll do my own promotion where I'll, I'll get a cage and we'll just make it Muay Thai rules. Yeah. So that was 2012. Um, I've jumped online. I've gone to YouTube. I've researched to see if anyone was doing it before. And um, they had a few different people that were doing kickboxing in the cage, but they, they were wearing big boxing gloves. Yeah. But this looks so, so crazy. How, how are we supposed to get respect from the MMA fans if we're wearing big boxing gloves? Yeah. And they got the MMA gloves on. So if, I, if I'm going to, um, do this I have to wear the MMA gloves also so we did our first show um, 2012 um, and I remember sitting in the crowd before the event started just uh, the, the, as before my fight just seeing how exciting it was Yeah, how every single person didn't matter what skill level they were because they were trying so hard to, to win by knockout or to, to just the aggression was like through the roof and the excitement was just um, yeah. electrifying um, so we did our first show and it was uh, it was really successful so we ended up doing uh 10 events yeah uh, i think i fought on eight of them yeah um and they're just just completely different so when you wear big boxing gloves it's very easy to cover your face because yeah yeah you got so much but then you, you put mma gloves on and all of a sudden you find all these gaps yeah and it's like <laughs> oh, so it changes your fight style it changes your um perception of you having to more footwork as well because after you finish you don't want to be in the pocket because yeah. then you're susceptible to being caught um so we did 10 shows and we lost uh, a little bit of money on the last two. Thought, ah, oh, screw this, I can't afford to lose any more money. Yeah. And then it was not long after that, one championship took up the same... Um, uh, principle, yeah. Yeah, they, they, they remember what I was doing. So they were already doing MMA for the last 10 years. Yeah. Next minute they're, they're copying what we're doing with the cage. And then we'll, um, one are notorious for holding different disciplines all on the one yeah. night and it helps that, yeah, they've got that in the cage so yeah. they can have... MMA, grappling, Muay Thai, all yeah, in the same yeah, it was, arena. It was, it was so bizarre to see the my concept now on a world stage with like the best of the best, the best ties versus yeah. the best Europeans. It's like, oh, this is what I wanted to achieve, but I didn't have the budget to do. I, I tried the the best version of I could. Yeah. So w- with when I had my show, I try and get at least uh, two or three different internationals just to try and help build the brand. So if I if I got three guys from England, England will be talking about the event for the yeah. next four weeks, yeah. and or I got a guy from France, a guy from uh holland yeah and then yeah then they help sort of spread the word and then once one championships had a running with the the same concept 
and then the sport just went to and then to to see the, like the top ties wearing MMA gloves like you're saying yeah. the, their fight styles changed changing yeah so they're not so kick oriented they're more elbows and knees and yeah. hands and so it's a very very exciting and then guys like Rotung they get punched in the face flat out and then just drop their hands. Yeah. It's like, Whoa, Yeah, is that all you got? Yeah. This is nuts. Yeah, he's, he's probably my favourite <laughs> yeah. at the moment to watch. Yeah. Um, what's another one we got? Um, what was one thing that kept you motivated through your career? Because obviously we were saying you had a, like a super long career for yeah, a fighter. Yeah. Uh, just just wanting to create a legacy. Yeah. Um, it was, I tell people it's like uh, climbing Everest. Uh, except for there's no summit, so you yeah. keep walking, keep going, keep climbing, climbing, and then once you're done, you don't want anyone to surpass you. You want to climb so high that people look at you, oh. <laughs> yeah. So, so um, and and money, yeah. Just uh, w- with Muay Thai, there's not much. Uh, it's not UFC money or MMA yeah. money or boxing money. Yeah. So you sort of you'd usually be one fight would be enough to get you just enough to the next fight. Yeah. So. Um, so yeah, so he's trying to live comfortably without having to get a full time job. Yeah. So I'm very lucky that even though the prize money isn't massive, um, I haven't worked a full time job since 1995. Yeah. So how good's that? Yeah, doing yeah, what you love, doing, doing what you love, and just uh, and then if I wasn't getting paid, I'd s- probably be paying someone to train me. Yeah. Just so I could still live that same lifestyle. Yeah. yeah. Well, you said you won that eight man tournament and you won a million baht. How much? Uh, Australians. Uh, a, a million baht would have been close to 40,000. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, that's good money. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Well, especially when you do um, give it to Thai baht. Thai baht is like uh, the ultimate. When we come back to Australia, it's 40. And then uh, with the Thai system, um, so you usually have to give uh, 50% to the to the camp. Yeah, right. So you train for free, you stay for free, you eat for free, but when you fight, it's 50-50 split. Yeah. So when I first started fighting in Thailand, I was making uh, maybe 500 bucks, and then I slowly worked my way up to 1,000 bucks. So you, you give um, 500 to the camp. Five, and at the time, 500 out of 1,000 is not bad. Yeah. Then you, then you win a million. So, oh, no. <laughs> I've got to give 500,000 baht away. Um but so it'd be cheap to live over there, eh? Isn't oh, for it? sure. Yeah, for sure. when you're over there. Yeah, the, you can get it back when I was there, a, a plate of rice and a can of Coke for a dollar. Yeah, right. So, yeah. and then if it, if it's the plate's not very big, you might get two plates. So it's $1.50 for two plates and a can of Coke. And yeah. It's, yeah, it's so, so good. Um, and then the best part about Thailand is uh, everything gets delivered. Yeah. So they have a truck that comes around with the groceries every day. So every day you only buy what you need for that day. Yeah. So there's no preservatives, no. Yeah. Nothing's going to waste. Uh, yeah, everything's fresh. Or fresh veggies, fresh fruit, fresh sea, um, chicken and fish. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, the it was very cool. <laughs> a lot different to living over here. Yeah, though, a, a lot different. Um, yeah. So, yeah, w- when I won the million, it's like, oh, I'm gonna get a house, I'm gonna get a car, I'm gonna do this. And then the trainer's like, fifty fifth. <laughs> 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 Damn it. <laughs> 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 Um, did, did you ever think about buying a house in Thailand or did you ever oh, own no. a house over there? No, no. Because uh, it's one of those countries where uh, Westerners can't buy property. Yeah, right. So you've got to get married and then the, everything goes into the wife's name and then if you get split, everything goes to her. Yeah. yeah. And then, then they get the cash in. <laughs> yeah. So, they're, so they're, avoid that. It's, it's smart. It's like uh, for Australia, we're selling left, right and centre to every single country that comes in. Yeah. And over there, like, no, we've got our heritage here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, which is probably smarter yeah, in the long run. Yeah, it keeps run. the country kind of traditional. Yeah. Oh, for sure. 
Yeah, I think you can buy units and apartments and condos, but you can't actually buy land. Yeah, and yep. you could probably only buy them in certain cities or something. Yeah, yep. yeah. Um, did you have any superstitions when you fought? Uh, yes. I, I like to pray the night before. Um, I think if I prayed day of, it, it, I, I'm not sure far, how far heaven is. Yeah, uh, I'm not sure. <laughs> so if I do it the night before, it's like a next day of delivery. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then and then the times I forget, I'd lose. And every time I I did it the night before, I, I'd usually go okay. So yeah, so that was my main things. Um, yeah. And then the the ties have a big thing about uh, not uh, having long showers. Yeah, right. So <laughs> um, no no washing the genitals for too long. <laughs> really big and avoid it. So uh, and it's yeah so so crazy. So in in training camp, let's say you, you're going a couple of weeks and you're hitting the pads, rah, 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 and then you have a shower and it's like, oh, no one's there. and then <laughs> you come out of the shower, <laughs> and then the next day, sure enough, you're hitting pads, and then the trainer will be like, "What did you do last night?" <laughs> <laughs> every single time that I tried to get a sneaky one out, they get me every single time. That's so good. It's like, what's going on? The aggression wasn't <laughs> yeah. there as much. The it's testosterone like, release, yeah. Bang, bang, <laughs> and then today you like, pow pow pow. <laughs> <laughs> That's so good. <laughs> um, and what's the last question we got here from Mama Listener is how do you deal with your nerves before a fight? And especially after, say, having an injury and something. Oh, the nerves, um, especially fighting ties in Thailand and being the Westerner. Uh, the first 20, 30 fights and then fighting the A class guys and the scary guys was just. Um, uh, is it the, the Eminem? Yeah, we get mum spaghetti. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you feel like you're gonna spew. You, you have yeah. throw ups and they're so nervous and losing sleep and then um, just creating the, like the boogeyman and it's like oh man, and then but you waste all that energy. And then when the fight start, uh, it would be a completely different scenario than what you've expectations. Yeah. So then I got to the stage like, why am I? wasting my time worrying about all this silly crap when i just got to worry about my training my fitness and my game plan and then once i started um doing that everything changed i just become uh relax a bit more get a good night's sleep beforehand um and then you can't you can't expect what's going to happen on the ring is whatever has happens happens but just do the best you can to be prepared for the worst and then um you're good to go so but yeah the last thing you want to do is and it's like when you say to someone, oh, I'm going to knock him out in the first round. And then round two, round three, <laughs> it starts doing your head in. It's yeah. like, why have I knocked this guy? I, I'm, I don't, I'm, I'm making myself look like an idiot because I've, I've promised the world that I was going to knock him out and he's still here. Yeah. So now it's better just to, just to worry about the, what I've done and talk everybody up. And um, and then when you get the win, uh, and it comes back tenfold and instead of talking someone down and, and then having to worry about someone that, that's, that doesn't exist. Yeah. And I'm putting you on the spot a little bit here. Um, the fight that's coming up in December, Jake Mann versus George. Uh, I'm sorry, Jake, Jake Lund versus George Mann. Who, oh, okay. who, who do you reckon's gonna win that one? Ooh, um, Jake Lund. He's he's amazing. Um, we've sparred plenty of times, and he's probably one of the hardest spars I have in the Queensland. Yeah. Um, he's really really uh, technical. Um, and then one of my boys for it, uh, George, a couple of years ago, and that's before George become who he's now. Uh, he's so tall and so big and yeah. so long. Um, so it depends on who brings their A game on the day. Um, but I, um, with Jake being one of the boys, I, I, I got my money on Jake. Yeah, yeah. But, um, but you can't have expectations either way. Yeah. It's a 50-50 fight for sure. Yeah. Yeah, that's a big fight for kind of Australian Muay Thai. The WBC diamond belt, I think, yeah. is on the yeah, line. Huge, so yeah. yeah, it's big. 
Um, and then uh, George just beat Toby, who broke my eye socket. Yeah. So that, that was a big, big name for him to get the, the victory over. So yeah. if he can take that confidence in with Jake, it's going to be um, a tough one yeah. for sure. But definitely one I, I wouldn't be missing. Yeah. Very exciting. Oh, well, cheers. Well, we appreciate you heaps, bro, for coming in. And, um, yeah, thanks heaps. You told us heaps of stuff. Yep. And that stories were amazing. Ooh, so thanks no, heaps. No, no worries. Thank you for the opportunity to have a chat and um, to share the – the the fun times. Yeah, no worries, legend. All right, thanks for coming in. Cheers. Hey, awesome. Just a regular, everyday, normal motherfucker. I told you in the first song, I'll tell you in another. I'm just a regular, everyday, normal motherfucker. I don't have a girlfriend.